Okay, and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast. Been looking forward to this one for a long, long time. It is time for our podcast version of the Cheltenham Festival Preview 2019. It's myself, Adine Ryan here in gambling.com towers. And of course, this podcast is brought to you with those clever fellas at Bet Hard. I'm delighted to say Dermot Nolan is here. Hello, Dino. All set for the big week ahead, of course. Paddy Aspel. How are you doing, boys? Very well, indeed. And uh, well... Stephen Cass is back because we need someone with a little bit of expertise for four very special days of racing. Stephen, how are you? Good, good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. You, you like a good intro, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty important now after that, and I'm not sure why. But well, look, everybody is. <laughs> we we'll see what goes after. Everybody Germany. has heard everything myself and Dermot have to say. Paddy, of course, wasn't on our videoed uh, Cheltenham preview night, but he is in for the podcast version. So we're in a very good place as we go through four days of the Cheltenham Festival. So why don't we get started? Day one, and uh, in traditional kind of Cheltenham preview uh, format. We always kick off with the Supreme Novices Hurdle. Um, I've talked to death about it on here. I'm quite confident that I've found the right one, but I'm going to go to Stephen Cass first and see what he makes of the Supreme Novices. Um, yeah, I think I think people have talked down this race. I think it could end up being a really good renewal. The Supreme's one of those races you don't know until afterwards how good it is. Um, and I love the shape of the market because I think Al Dancer, I've said on this podcast before, uh, you know, I think any horse that's in there could have won that uh, Betfair off 141. So I think he's he's not a false favourite. Like, he's a solid favourite. But I think he's making the market. Um, I think Fakir Duderi's the race he won was a bit of a farce of a race. I, I don't think it's necessarily hard for a four-year-old to win the race. But look, you know, there's reasons to take on the two favourites. The one I like is Itchy Feet. Uh, I've mentioned on this pod before, so I won't go into too much detail on it. But basically, giving... Um, giving weight to Elixir de Nuts at Cheltenham and giving five pounds and only being beaten a length was a great run. It was always the plan to come here fresh. Uh, Elixir de Nuts is seven to one. It defeats 25s. I don't think there should be that much of a difference in the price, but that's only one run. He also beat Grand Sansi, who's who's heavily fancied here. I've just worried he's a bit of a buzzy horse. I wonder is he a bit of a, you know, it doesn't look like Cheltenham be the perfect track, but he has run here before. I think 25 to one is a very big price. So Itchy Feet's the one I'd like. I don't get the love for Angel's Breath at all. I thought he'd every chance to win the race mm. the last day. It's coming very soon on the back of that. Like that horse clattered, the the Southfield Stone clattered the last and he really should have gone by him. So I, I, I liked Angel's Breath going into that race, but he's too short now for what he is. So there's a load of each way value out there. I'm, I'm like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if any of the first three in the market didn't place. So Itchy Feet's the one I'm coming down on, but I'd uh, I'd encourage anyone to have a bet if they fancy one at a price. If you like Thomas Darby or Mr. Fisher or whatever, um, I'd encourage anyone to have a bet. Itchy Feet would be the one I'd go for. Okay, that's Stephen Cass's verdict on the Supreme Novices. Paddy, I'm going to come to you next because I know you're a big Al Dancer fan. Um, Stephen said he's a solid favourite, but perhaps there's value elsewhere in this market now. Yeah, I think Stephen is dead right as regards, you know, the sort of mark that he, he won that race off the one four one. Um, But the fact of the matter is, you know, we're going to have stacks of pace. Your first race at Cheltenham, you know, the likes of Brandon Castle in there, you know, proper trailblazers in the front end. And I think that's going to be the key to this horse is a bit of early speed uh, because he's been doing everything wrong and still winning lately because he's been over racing and that's just his way. And, and Twiston Davis has, has made no secret of it. He is a buzzy forward going horse. So this will suit him an absolute treat, I think, Al Dancer. But Steve is right. He isn't much value. So therefore, he is giving people an opportunity to, you know, to... to 
get some good prices elsewhere. But for me, I'm struggling to get away from Aldanzo. I really do just think the way the race is going to be run, it's really going to play to this horse strengths. Okay, and you've stuck to your guns <clears throat> over the last few weeks on this race out about Al Dancer, and he is sitting there at the top of that market. Then, but myself and yourself were on the, the race out preview night, of course, and uh, I think it's clear to everyone we're massive Angels Breast fan. Stephen suggested that he didn't enhance his credentials there on his last run behind Southfield Stone. Uh, I felt the opposite. Um, I'll let you have a few words on the Supreme. Yeah, I won't go into this too much, Dean. Uh, you know, I, we... We spoke to death on the previous night, but yeah, I, I, I just think you can obviously selfless so much would last, but Nico de Bonneville didn't didn't really touch him. He, he he was really happy just just to go through gaps to really like discover what this horse was. The fact that Davy Russell speaking him up so much, I'd imagine Davy Russell actually might be on board this horse for the um, Supreme with just the amount of tipping he's done of him. The horse missed vital work coming up to that race. Nicky Henderson had a big smile on his face afterwards. Um, to me, this horse really enhanced his chances. Uh, he gave that horse five pounds on the day and and got that close. And I genuinely were on him, so I wouldn't be going in on him again just yet. But I'm hoping now that that the market is made by by one of the front two. I can go in again. Um, and the other one, then Dean, that I mentioned at the preview night is the each way angle on Mister Fisher. He's just he's a solid one. He's been there. He's done it. He's beaten a lot of the horses in the field and. Uh, a 12 to 1 or so he's definitely the one each way but uh, Angel's Brett all the way for me I think he definitely enhances chances more so than, than anything else Tim. Fascinating to see a few jockeys have been jocked up here I'm delighted to see Richard Johnson has got the leg up on Thomas Darby which is fantastic news Gavin Sheehan for you Stephen has been booked up for Itchy Feet would you be happy enough? Well, it's not a surprise, is it? Like he 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 rides a lot of those, so it's what you'd be expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Happy, like you know, I'd rather if Davy Russell was riding him, but Gavin Sheehan's perfectly capable. He is. He is indeed. And um, we think. Well, my view is that Angel's Breath will go a favourite for this race, but I'm guessing you don't agree with that, Stephen. Um. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Look, look he might. I, I, I wouldn't like to be back in a Nicky horse in the Supreme either because he's run a lot of good horses in it and they've been beaten, you know, the likes of Sprinter Sacra. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's putting, like, I doubt Nicky has do, done anything with this horse since the last day. So you're going to expect this horse to jump. He jumped okay. He jumped okay, but not perfectly when they got to the business end of the race. So he, he won't have done anything putting the gun to the angel's breath, putting the gun to his head. So, like, where's the improvement coming from? You're expecting him to put the, the head down a tough Supreme and, and battle and beat fairly battle-hardened horses like handicappers like Al Dancer and tough horses like Elixir de Nuts. I just, I don't see him having the experience to go and win this. He might be the best of them in time, but not on Tuesday. Not for me, anyway. And so I would happily be laying him. If he goes off 3-1 to one or something, I'll actually will lay him and I'll play a slam. That's where I think he will go off. So I might be ringing you up for a slightly better price on, on the day. <laughs> yeah, I'll enhance. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll see what I can get off you. Um, Demo, who's going to go off favourite for the Supreme? Uh, Angel's Brett. Paddy? I mean, he's going to have to. They're going to have to clip him in a couple of points, aren't they? It's to be very, very little in it. Um, I think he looks pretty solid at the front of the market. Al Dancer just now. Okay, so favourite and the selection for Paddy is Al Dancer. Dermo, you're going to go with Angel's Breath and an each way on Mister Fisher. And Stephen Cass is suggesting to grab a bit of value with Itchy Feet. I'm a Thomas Darby and Angel's Breath fan. Um, have back both uh, pre-race 
And I'll be very interested to see what Stephen Cass will lay me on the day for Angel's Breath if that price comes rocketing. Yeah, in. we'll talk on we the day. We will indeed. Actually, you could be my favorite bookmaker this week, I think, as we get there, if we if we keep banging heads. <laughs> Let's see how we go. Uh, shall we move on to the Arkle, please? Of course, um, since we last spoke, there's no Larishberg now in this field. So we've got one big, big gun. And I think a lot of people's fancy for the race, of course, is gone now, that being the favorite. Dermot Nolan, I'm going to come to you first. Um, you've been looking at the Arkle today. Where do you think we should be going? It's it's a very hard race, um, just going through it. I mean, Glenn Forza like, won a race this year of 114. He started off in November. I mean, he's on some upward curve. I just can't have him. Uh, I just really can't. Like, I just think he, he's improving, no doubt. But in a normal Arkle year, he'd be nowhere near it. But this isn't probably a normal Arkle year. I can see the line with hard line, but just, again, I'm not convinced how good he is. <coughs> and I just think that the horse I'm coming down on, I will not be backing until the day to see what ground. But I think Laylor is the best horse in this race far from an ideal prep but most of these have had far from an ideal prep actually most horses going into Cheltenham have had far from an ideal prep just the form of that top novice's win last year at Cheltenham or at Aintree off a similar break when beating you know a plethora of horses behind like Vision Day Flow Bedrock Global Citizen and Midnight uh, Midnight Shadow all those horses were in behind they've all gone on to win at least grade twos this season, beat them all. On a normal year, Laylor at that price, I would be avoiding it like anything else. But just this year, I'm just kind of edging towards it. And the one then that I put up um, each way at 20 to 1 is us and them if he runs here. He's just been running on and running on, and he's one of them that, that would probably be ridden for a place like he has been all season. And the way that they might go hard up front with Glen Forza, etc., um, it might just see it up for a horse coming like us and them and at 20 to 1 I think he could be a decent angle but I'll be waiting till on the day I'll be waiting to see how this rain affects the ground I don't think it's going to be as soft as heavy as people are thinking it's going to be I think that'll suit Laylor and um, I think we'll go very close we should, t- we should touch on the weather lads sorry you, like we are um, sorry Dharma we should touch on the weather because everyone seems to have this assumption it's going to be a bog but like looking at the Norwegian the YR on an O site there's no rain, almost no rain coming to Cheltenham until next Wednesday. So, like, we could be looking at good yeah, ground. Like, I, I, I wouldn't be, I I wouldn't be making Steve. it this. Or, uh, yeah. Steve, yeah. I don't yeah, know if they yeah. will. Declan Ricks offered me a million they lost <laughs> their water yeah. on Twitter today. Now, only, I, I, only messing, obviously. But, like, uh, there's every chance they could water. Now, Paul Keeley said today, I was involved in a Twitter um, back and forth on the weather. Paul Keeley said it's currently good to soft soft in places um, they had a bit of rain the other day or yeah, last night but if if they only get six or seven mils between now and then that'll be good to soft could even be good and they could water or it could go the other way and the rain that's due Cheltenham week could come on the Monday and if it, if it rains the day before it could go soft but like do you be tying yourself up and not worrying yeah. about which way the weather 100%. will go and this assumption it's going to be soft ground isn't yeah. isn't correct like, if you look at the wire that I know is the best site I'm kind of working in the assumption we'll have good to soft ground because they'll water it if it's good and it, you know if we get a bit of rain it'll be good to soft so I think that's probably the, the play you know but I just just, just to note that because someone said it to us on the Twitter questions last night about oh if there's heavy ground horses 
you know what what would you take into account but i'm i'm working on the assumption for the tips largely that it's it's good to soft ground just to note that at the start of the i think it's a certainty it's going to be that ground because even though the bit of rain they got last night just going to avoid them from watering they're going to get a little bit more we think before racing and maybe a bit on that monday and then later in the week the ground could change but it's going to start on good to soft soft in places they're going to call it that anyway and i, yeah, I and it. i think i think all you're going to get is a, a a ground a set of ground conditions no one can complain about surely that's it that's it hopefully yeah, yeah. yeah. i just think that hopefully the, that's where we are that ground will suit layla a lot better than that run at sandown that performance at cheltenham for me with what is left in this field is still the best performance of any novice in this field and i think layla they'll they'll probably come from and i think uh he'd be very backable on the day that race at Sandown for me for Layla will be either the best thing that ever happened to it or the worst thing that ever happened to it if Dickie pulled him up after four or five fences that would have made a lot of sense to me having him go all the way around and maybe they thought maybe Dickie thought he'd teach him something certainly had no chance in the race um, and at seven or two I couldn't go near him Stephen Cass there is going to be a winner of this race I don't think it's the easiest one of the week um, no, but I think if you look at the race, I, I, I think it's, you're only going to have to run in the mid 155s to win it. And I think the two most likely horses to do that are the two favourites. I think one of Glenn Forsa and Layla or Lawler will produce on the day and one of them will win because I don't think Hardline is, is up to that level. Duke de Geneva is one of the worst prices of the week. Like he's, he, he absolutely would be going to the JLT only for the real steel for that race. He's never won over two miles, Steve, um, has he? He's it, never won over. Yeah. He, no, and he's never looked quick. So, and, and the Arkle is a faster race than the Supreme. Like, you need, Paddy, I tell you, you need to go a million in the Arkle because you're, you're, you, you lose such a rhythm if you don't jump at speed and you have to go flat out. So, it's actually, you need to be a faster horse for the Arkle than you would for the Supreme. So... I would absolutely not have him in my mind. He's one of the worst prices you'd ever see. I think Paloma Blue, if the ground is coming up, you know, good to soft, I think he'll go for the JLT. So there's very little in the race, unless you can forgive Kalashnikov. Um, us and them, you'd imagine Dermo, even though you like him, he, like, he won't be running in the late 150s. So then there's literally nothing left in the race. Absolutely nothing left in the race. So one of Glenn Forsa and... Uh, Lawler and I just I wouldn't be as worried about Glenn Force's hurdle form and not being the best hurdle horse in the race because with the Henrietta Knight connection I'm sure like he only had three runs over hurdles I'm sure they were bringing him along slowly and he's looked a bit of a monster but I think with his action I think he would prefer soft ground so if we're on a kind of a normal first day of Cheltenham um, I think Lawler he's probably even money to be able to reproduce the performance he did in November and if he does that he's definitely going to win so Seven to two, Lawler win only. I'll take that. Okay, another shout for Lawler there, and a good case made by Stephen Cass. Paddy Aspel, the Arkle. Um, I mean, obviously, I was uh, always in the Larishburg camp big time, but um, I mean, now for me, I was just so disappointed. I mean, why do why do you think that your man didn't act around Sandown the last day? Because he's got form going that way around Lawler. Soft ground, Paddy. I think yeah. Sandown. But Sandown, Paddy, isn't it such a track? I, I think Sandown, I said this on the podcast before, Sandown's such a funny track and horses, they can often have a bad day there if they don't get into a rhythm. And if you don't get into a rhythm early because you're going down the back there and all of a sudden the, you just really don't enjoy it. And that could mm. be a factor as well. And the fact he's loved Cheltenham before would sway me more towards him. Like if he was two to one or six to four, fair enough, but you're, you're getting 
almost yeah. four to one here. And if he does run up to that Cheltenham run, then four to one is a steal. I know what you're saying, but I'd, I'd forgive him one bad run at Sandow. What's your opinion on Sandow? Well, no, I mean, the or... thing is, it's just, he was so disappointing that day because he was never going. He was never, he just never turned up. So I would have liked to have seen him again since, you know, that that's a fair while ago now. And I mean, the thing about this yard is just so hard to get any sort of an angle on. She never has any runners. She's got some very, very moderate horses in the yard. Um, you know, you look there, I mean, the last fortnight, she hasn't even had half a dozen runners. So, you know, and he, he's not even had a race course gallop that we've seen. You know, we're just told he, he's, he's gone well around Exeter. But, you know, like I said, they're not going to say he, he only went okay, but we're still going to run him in the arc. So you're taking plenty on trust. I think Glenn Forsa, for a horse who hasn't run around Cheltenham, I think is short enough. I do love him, though. Um, I think he's a proper, he's a proper bit of kit. And, you know, although he is low mileage over fences, the way these Radfords and Henry and I, these horses are so extensively schooled, you can see by this horse, like them railway fences at Sandown, you know, for a horse who's a novice, the, the, he literally, he could have gone around there with, with, a, with a bag over his head. He's just so good on his feet. And for an Arkle, that's what you're going to need. Um, I wish Mick Shanna wouldn't talk him up so much because the horse has got to go there and prove it. And like I say, he's never been around Cheltenham. Um, but I, I do think he's very, very good. And, you know, I wouldn't like to see him any shorter, simply because, in fact, he's not been around there yet. But uh, around about 92, I'd, I'd be happy to be with Len Forza because I think he's got masses of potential. Okay, Paddy's on the, the side of Glenn Forza. I have to echo everything said about Layla. I just... My concern with that horse is that they didn't get another run. You have to get rid of that Sandown experience for me to be able to back Layla. As much as I can see that that previous performance at Cheltenham sets the bar for for this group of horses for this particular article, that's for sure. The horse that I could only back now, and I've already backed him, unfortunately, uh, given what happened the last day behind Glenn Forster, is Kalashnikov. And with no Defi Desoy in here, I think he's the one flying the ointment for the top two in the betting. And um, you're going to have to forgive a few bits and pieces to get behind Kalashnikov. But they've, I, they've I just stuck think with, with Kalashnikov, uh, Dino, he's not a bad jumper, but he, it doesn't come as natural to him as a few of his rivals here. Um, he just has to work that bit harder. And at this sort of level, he while he's working hard at his jumping and, and trying to help his jockey out, other horses, will be, they'll just be taking ground off him in, in, in the air, you know. Um, and just really when it's when, when the heat's been turned up this time, you know, he started off around Plumpton and he wasn't very impressive at Warwick, he three or four runner races. And the two occasions when it's, it's really been put up to him, he's been found wanting for me. Um, I just think he's not, I, he's not enough of a natural over fences to be competitive in an article. Yeah. They keep running that horse over the wrong trip. He's, they should be putting him up and trying to make a Gold Cup horse of him next year. Well, they could have gone JLT, you know, couldn't they? Up. They've made that decision not he'll to. Be able, they, he'll they be they definitely yeah. consider for that Bet, Bet Victor Gold Cup next mm. year, I think. Yeah, he, he yeah. wants to go up and trip. And, and like Glenn Forza as well, like the race for Glenn Forza, like he's 33 to 1 for the King George next year. I'd say have your fingers at the ready if he runs a big race in the Arkle because that race is made from. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think Lawler will beat him if he's in a going day, but 33 to 1 is Glenn Forza for the King George. He is made for the King George. Uh, we're really going <laughs> off a tangent there now, but and I, I, I don't want to give the impression I'm very, very strong on Lawler Anthony, but I just, just 
you know, I think it's going to come down to one of those two, and I'd side with him over over Glen Forza. It'll I be a good race, though, in a way, even though it's a rubbish article, it'll be it's a really interesting one. You know, I'm looking forward to it. it might not be a rubbish article if it has the the big Bet Victor winner in it, the King George winner. Yeah, in it, the and, King George you know, winner. Yeah, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean. So I love I love yeah. those tangents. And um, myself and Dermo actually famous on the race hour for before Mike Bite won his RSA, telling him on the back end for King George at 25s the following year, and neither of us did it, and he won. So, yeah. so there you go. Those tangents are not the worst in the world. So we've got two shouts for Layla with uh, Dermot and Stephen Cass. Then Paddy Aspel's a Glenn Forster fan, uh, jumping being the big priority there. And I'm going to stick with Kalashnikov, but I feel like I've been talked into uh, into a corner there. So we're going to move on from the article. Um, the old team of handicap is the following race on the card on the Tuesday. Um, I had a fancy for this, and I've just been looking at the entries, and he's not there. So and I Dean, I um, up and go and Dean, Tom, Tom, Tom at base, go God Nordy, on the uh, when we asked for questions last night, he just asked if we can just talk about give me a copper for the whole thing. So he's thirteen two favor for this. So yeah, well, we we can talk about him for the whole thing. My view yeah, is it's a terrible that. price for a race like this. <laughs> so uh, there you go. There, there's my my threepence worth. Let's go to Paddy Aspel and the old team. You can start with give me a couple. Yeah, I mean, of it wasn't a bad to. reappearance from when we saw him last time. Um, and he probably offers a bit of value. And just, I mean, the thing is, there's a few stables. You know, the likes of Neil Holland, Nichols. I mean, what a time of year for your horses to be in the sort of gear they're in. Um, you know, it's it's fantastic for them. But, I mean, there's a horse I put up the other night in the article, but I see he's not in the entries now. Is is no means to it for me. Um, he was going to carry yeah. top weight, Paddy, wasn't he? So, so I'm not sure. Skipped. I'm just trying to have a look to see what else he was in um, to see maybe where they're going to go with him. But... Uh, He's entered in the Ryanair anyway. So there, there was a couple of others here, um, sort of at bigger prices. I looked at Venetius Calypto, was round about 20s. Um, he's got a nice race and weight. Lakeview Lad has got plenty of weight up the top, but this is a horse now uh, for Nick Alexander, who has really improved. I mean, Trevor Hemmings, they bought him last year because they've seen that this was, you know, he was a real good prospect. Has had some j- jumping issues in the past, but he's really ironed them out now, and, and th- this is a proper good handicap chaser and he has won both his runs this season and he just seems to be on the improve although he's nine year old uh he hasn't been over raced and like i said he's got them jumping issues ironed out now and his form is very very strong and he certainly deserves his place in in, in the lineup here and he's roundabout um where did i have him yeah you know i mean so he's sort of Two there in Calypto and Lakeview Lad in like I say it's 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 a very very open race. I mean even the year I won it, you know I I gave my horse no chance. He was thirty three to one. You know what I mean? So it's 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 one of them races. It's it's sort of on the day who sort of turns up. You did. I gave you a chance very that nice year, Paddy. So you're okay. You're okay. Thanks for thanks for doing the job for me, Stephen Cass on the old teamer, please. Um, I, I'd always be looking for a novice or a second season novice in this and the one I like is a crucial role of Dan Skelton uh, I thought his debut win it was a beginner's chase of Utoxeter but man well, it was some race he beat now McGinty 9 lengths and Sheft Zobo 15 lengths and he just jumped like an absolute buck um, they're big fences at Utoxeter and it's quite you know left handed um, decent enough gallop and track and he just it, it, it's a good test for Cheltenham I think and he loved it around there uh, now he went and he burst after that behind Jerry's back so back in the burster I would always say only back them win only because if they're on a going day you're fine but if they bomb out they really bomb out so he's around 20 to 1 I'd back him win only um, after he burst he went back to Utoxeter 
uh, after they had the entries for this. So he's a five pound penalty. So he's running off effective 150. Um, you'd rather him off that 145 or late 140s. But uh, I think he has a fair engine on him now. And he kind of is one of those that could be anything. So crucial role uh, is the one that, that I fell down on. He might go RSA, but I would suspect he'd go here and he'd be the one I'd chance. You kind of need an RSA horse to win this race these days. There's no, like, you can see them taking a, a, a decent pot shot with that horse. That's crucial role. Uh, absolutely. Nothing at all. No, no, nothing at all. I'll find something in the day, uh, but that's... it's... Uh, it's a race that I that I find hard enough on the day without uh, going too much in depth. Anti posting. Well, you didn't say anything about giving That's me a copy. Yeah. Just the price. I wouldn't back wrong. him, but bar that, uh, no, absolutely no opinion. I really like Gold Present for this. Who burst in the race last year? He's not going to go. And the other one that was on my short list is Tom George's Activio, who is uh, nine years old now, tough as old boots, and I think there is. Certainly, there's probably place chances with him. He got off a very nice price, around 33 to 1 uh, for Tom George if they let Activio loose in this contest. I think you need something with a touch of class. He's got it in there and plenty of experience and toughness in him to boot. So Activio is an interesting shout for me, but he's an afterthought after Gold Present is not there. Shall we move on then and cover the champion hurdle feature race of the afternoon? Paddy, I'm going to come to you first. You've got your wish. Apples Jade is going to run in this race, taking on Bouvardaire and Lorena and Sharjah and all the others who we have talked about and wax lyrical about on the race hour before. Are you going to stick yeah, with Yeah, certainly will. Um, I mean, this is by far going to be Bouvardaire's biggest champion hurdle test. There's no doubt. And I mean, the thing is, he's been beat this season. And when he has won, some of them have been, you know, sort of no contest really. So we're still a little bit in the dark as to how much ability he retains still. So, and from what we've seen of Apple's Jade this year, there's been no hiding place. They came back to two mile the last day and she's routed. Uh, I, I wouldn't say a below average um, champion hurdle field, but it certainly wasn't a vintage. But nonetheless, um, just the, the style she won it in I think she looks the real deal this year and like I say that mare's allowance it's it's just going to be so difficult to, to give this mare weight and and um, and, and, and a beating so I'm, go, I'm going to stick with her and, and for, uh, for a, a bit of an outside rag maybe to pick up the pieces because there'll be plenty of speed on I'll go with Willie Mullins' charge at a price just to pick up a little bit of small money yeah, Sharjah's there around 12 to 1. They're vying for favouritism, Demo. Are you going to um, burst anyone's bubble with the top two? Are you a Lorena man? Where are you going? Yeah, I'm against them all, really. Not against them all, but I just couldn't be back in any of the three, really, at the prices they are. Esper Dallin is the one that I've I put up a few months ago on my uh, Pat to Presbury blog, and I've kind of put it up on this podcast, Antipost, as well. Um, I just think he's, he's, look, he's got a lot of trends to beat, you know, being a five-year-old there's there's absolutely no no getting away from that but it's just he's won seven of his eight runs I mean he came back wrong after that spring juvenile last year and then kind of was pulled up for the year that didn't happen he's unbeaten and this season again Salde was arguably I mean Salde was my big white hope for the champion hurdle division this year and just kind of hasn't gone right for him since he was coming that day to take on Esper Dahl and the two of them pulled well clear of Mr. Adjudicator and they were pulling away when Salde fell at the last Afterwards, then he's gone on to win twice, and really the big performance was at Christmas when he absolutely hammered Stormy Ireland. Now she's just a form gauge on it, but she was really well backed on the day, as if kind of being beaten was out of the question. And Esper Dallin absolutely stuffed her. He'll have a lot to do, but as Keith Dunne said the last night at the preview night, he'll be um, he'll be ridden to kind of pick up the pieces, and each way 
at 16 or kind of 20 to 1-esque. He's he's a big old price, really. And um, I think it's it's one of those races that just kind of might fall his way. And then, Paddy, from the, the race hour questions last night, uh, Patrick J at Paddy DeFeuille asked, um, do you think mayors should get an allowance in championship races? Yeah, I mean, look, that's a question that's been asked many times, isn't it? But... At this level, there's an argument to say no, um, because we we want to see the best horse, don't we? Um, at, at off proper levels, so I think he has got an argument there, um, but I don't think it's something that will ever be altered. Um, but I do think he has an argument. Okay. Um. Well, let's ask let's ask Stephen Cass. You're, you're evaluating this race, Stephen, and you've got two seriously good mares, Apples Jade and Lorena, going to have to carry seven pounds more than the reigning champ. Ask me about the mayor's question, is it? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, it's a good question. We should we should save this for a longer discussion when we don't have as much to talk about. Like I think, look, it's tried and tested over you know decades and decades, and I don't have a major problem with it. And we want to be encouraging mayors uh, in the program, so let's leave it there to to uh, in, encourage mayors to be to 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 camp, be campaigned at the top and not send them off. Um, to to have babies, so I'm happy with it without having thought too much about it. Uh, I'm kind of thinking about what I'm going to back at Cheltenham next week more so at, at the moment. Well, it does affect uh, your thought process on this race, Stephen, because oh, it does. You, it does. You, you know it does, we've got two like, mares new power left wing. Yeah, no, it's there and it's always been there, and I'm I am yeah. happy with it as a system uh, because I do t- so. It's there and we know it's there, so you take it into account and you take it into account in your betting. So. Um, like you know, I'm perfectly happy for Apple's Jade because that's the way we do things. Uh, if if the powers that be decide to change it, fine. Um, Apple's Jade, I've all like I thought that she'd have no chance in the champion hurdle this season, even coming up to Leopardstown. But my God, she was unbelievable at Leopardstown, like really and truly awesome. Now there's little question marks about her, I suppose, back at Cheltenham and the slightly jumping right and all that. But she's so good. She is a different horse this season. I think she's 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 um she should probably be favourite. I definitely have her of the the three at the top of the market. Couldn't have Lorena at all. I, I you know her form is fine and while she jumped well the last day she was a little slow but she hasn't done that to justify where she is in the market um Bouvard there uh, again this season is a bit patchy and if he's that stuffy a horse uh, he might just you know it might be the time to catch him I don't think he's in the class of misdirect we win in three champion hurdles uh, so I'll happily look for something else but my favorite horse in training is, is running in this race and Dermo's mentioned him Espar Delen I love this horse I'm president of the fan club of him um, I actually got him added to the Betfair market going way back, back in October uh, to, for the champion hurdle. He wasn't even in the market. I just, I love him. He was a machine last year. He would have he won the triumph, I'd say, if he was campaigned that way. He, he's won every race he ever ran in, except for Christmas as a juvenile when he bombed out. There was something wrong. Like he beat Machuca, who was a, a really good horse back then. He's, 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 he's um, fallen by the wayside, but he actually was a really good proper horse beat him beat far class who won the triumph and then came back this season beating stormy ireland giving her nine or ten pounds he was awesome at limerick and beat wicklow brave giving wicklow brave eight pounds wicklow brave's proper 150 something horse and he was savage that day like he jumps he travels the race is going to be set up perfect for him because he'll be dropped in mid division and he will jump as good as anything as good as bouvard there he's some jumper and it's just going to be set up perfect for him and if he's as good a horse as I think he is with the engine he has, he'll be there to finish. 
Um, and I think he's a huge price. I can see why he is a price. You know, he hasn't actually gone and ran a figure in the late 160s. But I think it's in him and uh, Espar Dallin would be, be my one here. I can't wait to see him. Is there a possibility, Stephen, that he's ridden with next year in mind? I know it's a champion hurdle and you wouldn't expect that to happen. But is there a possibility with the, you know, the same colours carried by the two-time winner that he will be ridden with next year in mind? As in, he might hit the places but be given a plenty to no. do. None? No. No, no chance. chance. Okay. Like this horse is in... Is, in the prime of his life, he's he's ready to go. Gavin Cromwell's bringing him over. Gavin Cromwell is going to want to win a champion hurdle, um, no matter what Frank says to him on the day. Like Mark Welsh should be riding him, and Mark Welsh will want to win a champion hurdle as well. No chance. They they'll ride him to win the race because they he he could be good enough to win the race, and it's there to be grabbed. I don't like this thing of wrapping horses in cotton wool and saving them for next year and all this stuff. Like like he's there, run him, try, and the next year is always there anyway. But uh, it's not going to do him any harm trying. So I, I just don't see that argument. Like if, if you know, he, he mightn't be fit next year. Something might go wrong. So I, I, I don't think he's going to be ridden to pick up the piece. I think he'll be dropped in mid-div. I think Sharjah might be further back than him really to come with a wet sail. But Espar Dallin's such a good traveler and such a good jumper. They can just sit him on the rail in fifth or sixth and hope that he's good enough then when they do start to come back to him a bit, that he can go on up the hill. And I think he loved the hill. Like you saw at Limerick, I'd never really seen him off the bridle before until Limerick come around the bend and that funny ground they had at Limerick and they'd go around the last hurdle. And Mark Welsh, I, I was like, oh my God, I thought he was a bit of a bridle horse. And Mark Welsh started going for him and I was like, right, he's beaten. And then all of a sudden, whoosh, he was gone and he just whizzed past Stormy Ireland. It was an unbelievable performance. So he has that in his locker to have that change of gear when the jockey gets after him. So I actually think it might suit him. And if he's there, second or third, jumping the last, I think he could love the hill. Um, I really fancy him. I just think he's a huge price and he's got so much ability. Uh, I, I hope he goes and does it. But, you know, we could be wrong. He could just be a mid-150s horse and he'll be sent chasing next year. But um, I'd love to see Gavin Cromwell win the champion hurdle as well. So hopefully myself and Dermot are right and this fella is as good as we think he is. Yeah, I would echo all of that. I mean, when you're staring at an 18 to 1 chance who could be as good as the top three, then you're certainly looking at a bit of value. I think Bouvardet twos is still too big. <laughs> but I was told in no uncertain terms on the preview night for the race hour that I was on my own in that camp. There was a good point made by Don McLean about Apple's Jade and all the previous form at two miles and the previous question marks about the way she jumped and also Cheltenham form that the Leopardstown run was a game changer. If you believe that, then um, she's rightly a two-to-one chance to win this champion hurdle. I'd be a Bouvardet um, fan, and I think he will be winning three in a row, but I can't knock Paddy's views on Apples Jade or the two lads with Espar Dallin at a big price. 18-to-one, one non runner no bet with uh, our sponsors at Bet Hard. Let's move on from the champion hurdle, and uh, we've got the mayor's hurdle, which I think it's probably fair to say that once the mayors come out in terms of Lorena and Apples Jade, Benny Dadu, who seems to be working the house down at home and all the vibes are very good uh, from Willie Mullins, is a bit of a penalty kick here, Stephen Cass. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be mad keen to back her at even money, but the way they're talking, um, you know, she seems unbeatable. It is a very weak race. That's the only thing. Uh, I won't spend a lot of time in this race because I don't have a strong opinion. Like, you know, you, you could back Stormy Ireland. You know, if you like Espar Dallin, Stormy Ireland ran a very good race and Saglawi was third and he is no slouch now. So, and Stormy Ireland ran very well behind Lorena. So if Lorena runs very well in the champion hurdle, maybe you could have a few quid in Stormy Ireland at eight each way. 
Um, the one I might have a little bet on is slow motion because I think she's a very good horse. She's loads of ability. She's capable to running in the late 140s, which could put her up there. And she's about 50 to 1. Uh, she actually ran yes, very well without price. getting a hard time behind Lorena. So uh, maybe a little each way on slow motion, but no great opinion. Not a massive punting race if you're not willing to go wading uh, boots deep, Dermot Nolan, on uh, Benny Dadu. But you might be the type who would wade in boots deep with this horse. Uh, yeah, I think she wins. I think Don McLean's point the last night as well about the fact that she could well go off at an Altior-esque price isn't too far wrong when, when Lorena and Apples Jake comes out because they're making an awful lot of this market. Um, I, I just think Benny Dadu wins, but... Uh, I'm not someone that plays at those odds anyway, Dean. So unless I was having a, a stonking day, uh, as Angel Brett wins by about 10 lengths, I'll, uh, I'll probably hold fire. But the one I'd have a small each way on is uh, Momella, if she turns up here, uh, second to back up last year at Aintree. Now with Harry Fry, was travelling really well that day behind, you know what I mean, Harry, when she fell. Uh, has been freshened up, and if she's a rock up here, a 33 to 1 or so, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise was she able to place. But uh, it's not a race I'm overly enthused about, Dean. No, and I'd be in your camp too. I echo uh, the thoughts about Stormy Island. I've seen that one in the flesh and, and a mare that tanks like that certainly got more ability. If she could just settle there, I think she'd certainly get into the mix. But Benny Dadu looks very, um, well, just looks the obvious winner, Paddy Aspel. Yeah, I mean, like Darmo says, it's just going to take it's a certain type of punter that, that she'll, she'll be of interest to really. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is she's, just throughout her whole career, you look down to it, she has stood very little racing. I mean, obviously the engine is there, but she isn't straightforward or, or, or very easy to keep right. But she's come back and won off big layoffs like she's she's hoping to do next week as well. And I mean, the form of that mayor's race last year, I mean, obviously that was where Apple's Jade was was beaten at one to two. And But, you know, Warren Great Texas mayor was well down the field that day, La Baga Roy. Um, you know, the ability is there. And if the if the vibes coming out of the Mullins camp are are true, I can't really see out there that's got the, the, the ability to beat her, I mean, because her form is just so, so rock solid. But it's all about keeping the wheels on. But, you know, you, you, you've got to, you've got to, um, you've got to take that price on board. You know, 11 to 10 is round about sort of the, the best you're going to get, isn't it? It's best you're going to get for sure once Apples and Lorena uh, sidestep and the market adjusts again. She's going to be shorter than that for sure. So picks and bits of value for the likes of Slow Motion, Stormy Island and Mamela. But Benny Dadu's probably got the race to lose. That's um, the mares. We're going to move on to the Close Brothers Novices Handicap Chase. Uh, definitely a race. I think we can go to Stephen Cass to pick apart for us. Uh, yeah, I do really fancy one here, actually. really, uh, Probably my second strongest fancy in the handicaps all week um i think the best novice handicap chase ran was the one that killed the sark one at cheltenham in january lovely love that mcneil family colors as well for alan king that's a zerty from stephen cass for the close brothers uh Dermot nolan uh yeah so i was kind of big enough on on campidor but uh he, he wasn't confirmed today which i'm uh i'm quite disappointed about obviously uh and uh, to be honest the, the other one i had on my list was actually azerty as well um so steve has absolutely nailed it so uh i will i'll leave it with that and i'll i'll row in behind stephen cast which is always advisable we'll get that when we get there so azerty definitely on the list frank hickey is a, is a is a proper proper judge too so well said let's hear from paddy aspel on the close brothers have you worked this one out paddy I like the look of Paul Nolan's horse here, Quamino. Um, 
I think he's had a pretty, pretty decent year. He's not done an awful lot wrong over fences, apart from he lost his rider early doors uh, three runs back. But apart from that, you know, he's been in the money his last four runs. Um, and that was a really, really good effort the last day. It was given an absolute peach of a ride by, by Brian Cooper. I think Paul Nolan is giving this chap so much confidence. He, he, he looks to me like he's just saying to him, go out there and ride him how you want. Um and he's been exceptional on some of these horses this year. So Camino for me, he offers a little bit of value, and I think he looks competitive off one, three, seven lads. Okay, Camino for Paddy Aspel. I, I've been very interested to see this money come for Riders on the Storm for Tom Taff. I love it when he lines one up for the festival, um, and I'd be I'd be happy enough to probably back that on the day. I think I've missed all the fancy prices though. It's in there with that Plutar um, as the joint favourite for the contest now at sevens, which seems. Short enough. These compressed handicaps do not excite me, I have to say. But the two boys with Azerti, uh, Quinn Mino for Paddy Aspel, and I'm going to give Riders on the Storm a very tentative uh, nod from me. Uh, the day does wrap up now with the National Hunt four-mile chase. Big news um, breaking today. There's no Champagne Classic here, Damo. We, we wasted our time on the race hour preview night the other night. Yeah, in fairness to Keith Dunhill, I watched a preview last night, or sorry, I read the, the the other preview last night and um, Gordon Elliott was saying that he was losing the battle to, to run him in that race. That was definitely the big race that he wanted him to run in and um, it just kind of happened happened that way, which is obviously disappointing for everyone involved, but thankfully we were in non-running all bet time of the year, Dean, so it's no big deal. But it, unless they happen to put um, the horse that I've been talking about all year and Paddy's been talking about all year, Discorama, into the, um, the other handicap on today as well, the uh, on Tuesday the um, the Ultima, which he is still in, but if this Garama does rock up here, which I think he will under Barry O'Neill, I think he'll take the world of beating him. And he could end up going off, well, second favorite, Dama. He could well go off second favorite. I mean, the race has just really cut up, and when you look at the market there, you know, it's it's okay, Corral, Bally Ward, and and this Garama, and just. The momentum is picking up now behind this Garam. I think the four miles will suit him an awful lot. And I'm absolutely thrilled with the booking of Barry O'Neill. So the bigger the price he is, Dean, Dean the better, because I'll probably just keep going on. And uh, I'd say on the day I'll be I'll be going in once again. He's getting to a price that doesn't excite me at all now, Discorama, because because of that, you know, when we talk about horse so much over yeah, the few weeks, we were, we, were about him, yeah. we were looking at twenties and sixteens, and I'm not on, so now I'm definitely not getting on. <laughs> but I'll be delighted for him. I'll be delighted for you if he wins. Uh, Paddy Aspo, I'm assuming you're going to uh, jump on the Discorama bandwagon here. I mean, okay, Corral is favourite, but we have been very pleased with this Garama coming into this yeah for sure I mean look he, he's low mileage over fences and he is coming here off the back of a horrible old fall at Nace the last day but I mean that was a great three even your grand there don't worry carry on that, that was a grade three. He was in the process of running a very, very big race. Could have gone and won, uh, but in the end, it was left to Bally War to come home by himself. But nonetheless, I mean, you look down through Discorama's form. I mean, the form of his beginners that he won at Nace last year has worked out very well. I mean, in a grade one, in the Drinmore, I mean, he was beaten 16 lengths, but I mean, that was behind Delta work. And I've, I've looked down through that race. It's red hot form. And then obviously, like I say, he did end up on the floor the last day, but he's got bags of potential, this horse. His lack of experience would worry me and I wouldn't like to see him clip in much shorter now. Um, but for now, if he was to stay around about where he is at about sort of round about 10s, uh, I would be happy to be on board, yeah. 
Okay, another vote then for Discarama. Um, on that race hour preview night that we did the other night, I think Fon was a little bit concerned about OK Corral being a Nicky Henderson horse over this trip, and I echo those concerns. I think you want to find something at a nicer price. I'm a big fan of Impulsive Star, and looking at the prices now, and as I did last week on that preview, um, I think Impulsive Star at around 12 to 1 still represents a bit of value. His price hasn't uh, contracted given the changes with the likely field, whereas horse like Discarama has come rocketing in in the betting and OK Corral pretty steady at the top end of that. I think Stephen Cass is uh, is back with us here uh, for the National Hunt chase. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, no, and I have nothing great to add. To be honest, it's not a, a it's not a race I can ever really get a handle on. I think it's fi- it's almost a race you you see what kind of horse suits it after the race is finished. So I'm not I'm not getting involved. Not getting involved, says Stephen Casso. Two big votes for Discarama. Uh, I'm an impulsive star man at the prices anyway. Uh, we're going to kick on straight in to Wednesday's racing and uh, a big talking horse of this season and one named after the probably the greatest jockey we've seen over jumps. People will argue that, of course, and it's a horse they would have saved a name for. And uh, that's champ Stephen Cass for the band. Yeah, there. and, uh, you know, he, he looks a rock-solid favourite and he probably you could make an argument he could be half the price he is. He was very impressive in the Chalot. Um, I don't mind that stat that shallow winners don't do well um, in the Ballymore. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, I battle over Diane. I think he looks a bit slow. You know, the, the, the Ballymore, they often don't don't go a clip and it kind of can turn into a bit of a sprint. Uh, it certainly did last year and it has in other years. And battle over Diane isn't the quickest, I, I think. You know, I think he's going to be a three-mile chaser in time. Um, brewing up a storm. I, I was coming around to him, but he just looks too too much of a rogue at the moment a rogue is the wrong word but too inexperienced and he's not professional enough um so i'd probably side with champ i'd give jarvie's plate a little squeak you just have to forgive him the run the last day behind birchdale um in the race uh, that brewing up a storm fell because he was very very good at cheltenham in january like that was a really really good run so you know if you get 40 to 1 or something about him i might give him an each way squeak but champ is solid enough uh, nothing really to recommend a massive bet uh, i think champ would you know, might be the winner. You mentioned a horse I really like in there and that's brewing up a storm, but it just don't like coming in off that fall. I would have loved them to have been able to do something else, but you know, it's only 46 days between that fall and the race. He does an awful lot wrong, doesn't he? Um, yeah, he does. Um, I think the engine's there and I know Ollie Murphy's got some really nice horses to compare him against and he thinks this one is probably the best of them. But, you know, a tens, I think he's still backable. I wouldn't touch him at shorter than that. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating race. Champ does look solid. Demon Nolan, I know you like uh, to take on these kind of prices in these kind of races because this race is a, is a tricky one to solve. Where are you going? Uh, yeah, I just think if you like uh, Battle Over Dying, I think you kind of have to like Sam's profile. Um, now, it's far from guaranteed he runs. I mean, Mouth Morris is known to look after his younger horses, but he's just brought this one along nicely. It, it's... Uh, like Ifogler was saying the last day that he was hearing that the horse was fancied. And if you watch that run back, I mean, he's he kind of, that last run, the Battle Over Dying won. Battle Over Dying is the valid winner, don't get me wrong. But Sam, Sam's profile belts the third, gets stuck on the inside and was kept in by Battle Over Dying. And Brian Cooper had to bring him back, completely go to the outside and came under a wet sail to finish like two and two and three quarters lengths behind Battle Over Dying. Sam's profile been slowly rising the ranks before that was kind of second behind Darrenstown. That horse has franked that the fourth that day. The big dog has franked that as well. And on the first run of the season, uh, beat Eclo de Beaufort. 
Eclair the Bofo even, sorry, and that horse has gone on to be fourth in that um, that handicap hurdle behind Off You Go that I think is going to produce loads of handicap hurdle winners. So Sam's profile at like 16, 20 to 1 or so is, I just think he's a big price in a race where in these novice races, I always look for the bigger odds because it's just you don't really know where you stand with them all, uh, apart from Angel's Bread, obviously. And uh, I think he's uh, he's too big a price in in the context of this race for an absolute genius like Mouse Morris. And wouldn't it be some crack if uh, if Brian Cooper and Mouse Morris could could beat Battle Over Dying going up the running? It would be. And it would be some crack if Brian Cooper goes away with a few winners. I think I've just thrown him up in the, in the close brothers. He's going to have other chances during the week. So it could be a big week for um, Brian Cooper. And Mouse Morris, well, he doesn't send him to Cheltenham unless they're absolutely ready to rock and roll. So Sam's profile. And in fairness to you, Derma, I know he's probably contracting in price now around 14s. Uh, for this race seems to be available where I'm looking and you know you've been sticking him up here at 25s and bigger prices than that so I'm going to come to Paddy Aspel because Paddy we've talked about this race a few times and uh, you like Martin Brazel's City Island yeah I do um I mean I'm not going to use that word and say he's got under the radar because it, it drives Stephen Cast mad and he's certainly not he, he's certainly he's fourth, not he's fourth favorite Paddy the fourth the fourth favorite has gone under the radar he's certainly not until a, now until price. now <laughs> but I mean the thing about this horse is I wouldn't like to see too much more rain for him because they've had the tongue tie on him from, from the get go so he's obviously got a little he's a little bit thick winded but it certainly doesn't stop him but he's a horse that's he is on the improve he's been nicely campaigned and I mean I wouldn't like to see him go much shorter because this is a very very warm race I really respect Elliot's horse I I I think he's he's too big to be jumping hurdles because he's an absolute monster but I do like the amount of effort he makes over hurdles because like I mentioned the other day when we did the the podcast last week he could kick hurdles out of the way this chap and 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 still it wouldn't it wouldn't even break a stride but he's very neat and tidy um and he was good at nace and um but I'm going to go with City Island here cuz I just think it would be a fantastic winner for connections because Sean Mulrain, who you know he was he was one of our our bigger owners a few years ago and 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 he's been you know he's been off the scene for a while and and now he's he's getting a good team together again and th- this would be a real fitting winner if he could if they could produce this horse to win their own race the Ballymore and so yeah I think I'd be I'd be happy to go with him I think he's in very good hands this horse okay. That's Mark Brazel's City Island for Paddy Aspel. I'm going to give Bruin Up a Storm a tentative vote at the double-figure prices that are still around. Uh, Stephen Castlake's champ and Jarvis Plate at a massive price if it could reproduce earlier Cheltenham form. And Sam's profile, who Dermot Nolan has been talking about for quite some time on the Race Hour. You are listening to the Race Hour Cheltenham preview, of course, brought to you with gambling.com and Bet Hard. And we're going to move on to the RSA chase. Um, we've had a bit of an old flip-flop in the markets during the week, Dermot Nolan, because Santini was rumoured to uh, possibly be missing the race. Now sits back in the race. Everything seems to be all good uh, around 7-2, but that means Delta Work has come in to a pretty strong 7-4 favourite here. Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm thrilled this happened, to be honest. Uh, I mean, this is typical of, you see this all the time as well with uh, two-year-olds working up in the Curra. Somebody was standing there and watched him walk off a bit funny, and that's that's where that all clearly came from because Nicky Henderson seemed to be taken by surprise from it. We all kind of then thought that maybe for the... The, the Unibet preview that, that the news of him coming out was just being held for that. He's absolutely fine. These things happen. I mean, Altior had this the very morning that he went on to win the, the champion chase. Um, and this horse, as Nicky Henderson said, was nowhere near as bad as that even. Um, the bigger concern for him has been his prep. He, he missed his last prep run, but Nicky gets horses to Cheltenham uh, 
like like Willie Mullins would or like any of these top top trainers do he'll get him here without, without needing much work I mean it has to be said as well that Santini won on trials day last year at um, at the Cheltenham the Cheltenham meeting beating Black Op and that was arguably one of his better performances um, he, he, he for his short career you can't really say it categorically but I don't think the break is going to do him much harm he didn't like Kempton hated every second of it but still ran really well behind top of the game and Le Bagawah, I think he'll have no problem dealing with top of the game, in my opinion, uh, over a trip like this. As much as I do respect that rival, I think he should be in the in the JLT. I think he'd absolutely slaughter them in that. Um, great time for for Dell to work as well, but again, it's just I'm not sure whether we're kind of making too much of that form. Um, but I think Santini at seven to two now is a very big price, and uh, I'll happily happily back him at that price team. Okay, well, uh, there's no surprise there. That's Dermot Nolan uh, talking about Santini again. We could do a podcast just dedicated to Dermot Nolan talking about Santini, but I'm going to let Stephen Cass have the next crack at the RSA. Yeah, it, like it's a fascinating race. Everyone's talking it up as it being a you know a vintage race. Like of the top three in the market, Santini I think is very short for 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 what he is and what he's done, you know. But I can see why people like him. Um, and Delta work there's just little question marks about him given he wears the hood and he hasn't had much of a prep like apart from uh, was it Don Poli no horse in 50 years had won the RSA have not run in that calendar year now obviously Elliot's going to be able to get him ready but just lit- little question marks um, and top of the game he's he's a, he's a complete joke like what he did at Exeter was, was due to his attitude he dogged us now at Kempton like he he packed it in he absolutely down tools when he should have won that race and then I saw a little video of him going around that little circular school you know that uh, Nichols has that they jumped the fences kind of inside in a little loop and he was practically trying to run out right-handed going left-handed like he's he's he is a yoke now and he's got some engine Stephen I think you are confusing the fact he's 17 hands too and that little circle with schools in it I'm amazed he can actually engineer his way around that. <laughs> Look, he would have chewed his way out of the fence if he had his way. Like he's he's a complete absolute joke. He's got some engine on him now, and Nichols is a genius, and I'm sure he'll get him right. But I couldn't have him on my mind. And he's a maiden as well. Like you know, he's seven to two. Absolutely not. So let's say Santini comes out. Then look, it doesn't matter. Santini may or may not come out, but I don't think there's much in the race outside of that. So while I think Delta Work is the most likely winner of the top three who are taking up all the market, I definitely would like to have an each way bet here. I mentioned crucial role. He's eighty to one non-runner no bet. Um, like he's well capable of running in the late one fifties, which would place in any RSA. So eighty to one non-runner no bet back crucial role. You'll probably get your money back as he'll run in the Ultima. Um, and if he runs on the day, I think he'd be sixteen to one. And the other one I would back is the World's End, who loves Cheltenham. Uh, thirty-three to one has won over the course and distance. Uh, ran a cracker that day. Uh, if he puts it in on a going day, um, I think the World's End would have a chance. Like he beat now McGinty as well at Chepstow, who's a good, almost a 150 horse. Um, he'd be like he destroyed Ibis de Rub 26 lengths when he won in December. And then he obviously ran bad behind Bagua Kempton, but I'm not sure that'd be his track or his ground. Uh, it was little softer that day. So good ground, a chance. The World's End, 33s, definitely back crucial road at 80s, now running no bet. Um, and that'd be the way I'd play the race. Okay, fascinating way to attack it, considering that those top three have just taken, well, the the market is those top three. But Stephen Cass has gone with a, a few, well, wild ones with the world's end and crucial role. I think they're wild. And lay, lay top of the game, have your lays and running, because he's going to hit that hill and just down tools and pack it yeah, in. Yeah, he went very close last year up that hill. 
Yeah, well, I said the same about Mike Bite the year that he won the RSA. You were so. nearly right. You were very <laughs> nearly right, in fairness. You were very nearly right. And for, for a couple of seconds, he nearly joined you for a pint on the side of the track. Um, Paddy Aspel, uh, I'll give you the final word on the RSA chase because all I can say is I've come down to the fact that the Drimmore is the best piece of form going into this, and I think that will work or win. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, I think that Drinmore form is a standout for me. Um Think about he's always had the hood on this horse. Even you know he's he started off in France, and then as soon as he came over here, his very first run, uh, he's had he's had a hood and a tongue tie, and you know they've kept consistent with that. And I mean, really, this horse is very. I won't say unlucky at uh, Punchdown last year, but he could have very easily won his last five. This, um, you know, he finished second to next de- destination in the the Daily Mirror Hurdle at the, the Punchdown Festival last year. I mean, his form this year is very, very good. I'd like to see him a little bit cleaner on his feet. At times, he can give one a nudge. We've seen like, Russell lost the iron, didn't he, at Fairy House? And, and you know, yeah. he was very good on him to still still beat the Richburg that day. But, you know, there'll be no margin for error here, and he can't be sloppy like that, which he has been in the past. But, you know, just I really can't get away from how strong his form is. The other one, I would say maybe at a price, do you think will the Bromhead run Chris's dream? Yeah, I think this is the race they'll go for. Um, you know, his form, obviously, he was well behind Bally Ward at Nace um, two runs ago, but the last day bounced right back to form. Um, and just, I think he, he's, he's, certainly, he's certainly a back of a price, that's for sure. But... For me, as far as winners go, I couldn't really look past Elliot's horse here. Does he, Chris's dream would really want to bog, wouldn't he, Paddy? Like, it, the, the RSA is one of those races, like you saw it last year, even though it's an absolute war of attrition, you have to be quick enough to go. Like, you could see the way those three good horses pulled away last year um, and Elegant Escape was left behind. Like, you really, you have to have a bit of toe to be able to travel and, and stay. So I think Chris's dream, if it was heavy going, he'd have a right chance, but... On normal going, I'd say he'd get left behind with his running style. He just probably isn't quick enough to go with them. I would also say as well that like Champagne Classic behind Chris's dream the last day, I think that form will be reversed on at Cheltenham and on uh, well, what we assume will be slightly better ground. So if you like Chris's dream, you kind of have to look in the direction of Champagne Classic as well as a bit of value. Um, two votes for Delta Work there from Paddy and myself, although the price has contracted massively with that Santini news during the week. But Santini looks like he's going to turn up. Um, Stephen Cast, the world's end and crucial role at outlandish prices. And Dermot Nolan, well, there's only one horse in the race for him, and that is Santini. Let's talk about the Coral Cup that comes up afterwards. I don't have a massive amount to say about this other than I thought Uradel, wherever he ends up, if he ends up and gets in, uh, would be punted off the boards. He's already an eight to one favourite. Dermot Nolan. Uh yeah, Uradel and I think that the the point the last night from David Jennings at our preview night that, you know, he might just struggle to get in. I mean, he would have got in last year off this rating. Um, but what does he have, eighty or so ahead of him? Um these handicaps of late they're they're just getting higher and higher to get into and you you nearly need to be a grade one horse if Uradel got in. I, I'm already on, but I I go in again. I just think he's built for this. That, that race at Leopards on the last day, they absolutely crawled along. He couldn't quite pick up off them, but ran a really good race for fifth. Um, as I was saying already, that's going to be one of the most informative handicap hurdles of this season. Uh, you've got Wonderlate and all these other horses in behind. It, it It's just going to be very, very strong form. And then when you go through it, I was kind of surprised the storyteller is not, not trying to take advantage of his mark in this. Now, he... He's still in it, but I was kind of shocked with that. And I see people putting up whiskey sour. 
I'd be surprised now if Whiskey Sour didn't go for the county hurdle again. He, he's only two or three pounds higher than he was last year. So I think he'd have a right chance in that. But Uridel is the one, has been the one. I'll change on the day, Dean, if he doesn't get in. Um, but I just think in these races, you're obviously looking for the horse that's that's going to win it. And I think he's he's absolutely more than good enough to, to do so. Okay, two votes for Eurodwell from the uh, race hour twins of Dean and Demo. Let's go to <laughs> let's go to Stephen Cass and uh, maybe he's found something of a bit better value. Well, I think look, there's a chance here. This is an outside chance, but if it, I think they could reroute Rhinestone here, um, if you look at the Albert Bartlett, they have Birchdale. Um, they have. This is JP now. And we actually got a Twitter question saying, can we look at races with regards to targets, not just talk about trainers and look at owners. And in the context of this, you've Birchdale and you've Dickie Diver both definitely going for the Albert Bartlett. You know, Rhinestone can run here off one four four. Um, I reckon if they did uh, divert him here, he'd go off close to favourite. He'd be close to five to one. You can back him at 20 to one on runner no bet. So you can just have, you know, have a good bet on Rhinestone, non runner no bet at 20s and hope they divert here. I know they're saying he's going to go to the Albert Bartlett, but who's saying that is guys in the previous circuit. Frank Berry is not calling those lads. Like, you know, this, this could easily happen. Like no one has a clue what they're going to do. So you can say all you want. And, and even Barry Garrity could say it. And I wouldn't mind it. Like with non runner no bet, you've no risk. Uh, you could be on something that goes off fives and you're getting 20s so have a good bet on rhinestone uh, I think he'd be perfect for the race because I don't think he'd see out the trip over three miles in the Albert Bartlett so I think this trip is ideal for him I actually thought he was a bit of a yoke last year he had a horrible head carriage I thought in his bumpers and he's by Mancha but in fairness he's 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 um he's learned to race this year and I think that former commander fleet at Leopardstown I think that was a really really good race I'd love to see him run here so uh, I would definitely back Rhinestone at 20s, and that's the only angle I have in the race. I love that. I'm going to get involved with Rhinestone because I also love Commander of Fleet. And I'd he's know... off 144 here as yeah. well, you know. If they yeah. think he's a grade one horse in the Albert Bartlett, he'd be a penalty kick here off 144. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, you know, connections listen to the race hour. And, uh, and that's quite doubtful anyway. I can certainly send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll try and get that into the right hands uh, after this uh, podcast gets released and see if we can formulate a nice podcast charge. That's great work from Stephen Casso with Rhinestone 20s non runner, no bet for the Coral Cup. And um, we've had two votes for Eurodel already, but I mean, that's hardly uh, interesting fodder. Paddy Aspel. Uh, I wonder, will when I sent over the article the other night, early doors of Joseph, will he run in the boys' race or do you think he might go Carl Cup? What mark does he have, Paddy? Uh, with, with early doors. Um, he's got a lovely weight. I think he's got like 10 stone 11. Yeah, I, I wonder would he go for that Martin Pipe again? That's uh, I fancy him in the Martin Pipe because I think the Martin Pipe is much stronger last year than it's looking this year. So I wonder would they just go down that tried and tested route again? But, He's a show for this as well, Paddy. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a very strong hand in the in the Martin Pipe as as Joseph O'Brien. I'm just looking at the other horse here that I liked was um, Mister Adjudicator or Willie Mullins. Now he's got a couple of entries as well, but like this Camacho, he's very very low mileage. He's only had the five starts over hurdles, but he's not finished out of the money yet. And I mean, although v- comfortably held by Espoir Dallin last time back in November. At Nace, um, he looks pretty tidy, this horse. And I mean, off a mark of, where is he, 149, he'd say it would look fairly competitive to me. But like I say, it's all about who who turns up on the day. But he's done very little wrong with uh, for a horse with very low mileage, this Camacho Gelden. 
If you like Ian Paddy, I, I've heard a whisper that Far Class has been targeted at the county the whole year. And then you have that triumph form from last year. And Mr. Adjudicator is still very unexposed. So, like, if you like him, you could be, you could be doing an each-way double on the two with Mr. Adjudicator and Far Class. Far Class 33 is for the county. Now, I couldn't have him, but Mr. Adjudicator is a better angle. Keith Dunahoo, was he saying the last night, Dean, that um, the Coral Cup was the aim at Far Class, did he? Oh, maybe it was the Carl. Sorry, yes. I think it was the Carl yeah. Cup. He said, "Yeah, was the aim yeah, for Farkas." Okay, we'll do need to treble all in the Carl Cup with three hearts. Well, let's two horses with that. <laughs> 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 let's find someone to accommodate us after this. I think that might be tricky uh, to to figure that one out. Um, okay, that's a that's a look at the Carl. I just want to make one point on early doors because. Um, is a horse that I've never ever liked. I think it barely gets two miles at all. So um, over this trip, I think it'd be lapped. So I just want to throw that in. And uh, it's always good for the fodder to be wrong afterwards. So we'll see how we go. Um, can we do, agree between us that we're not going to cover the champion chase, or are we going to yeah. cover the champion chase? I don't think. I think Fresh Air be second to Altior, and um, that's where I'm at with it. Steamcast, no. do you have any insight? No. Move on. Go on, Dean. Move. Yeah, Dean. Dean, move on. I think we're all happy e- enough. Altier easy wins. to move on. Do we want to do the same with the cross country chase, or are we all wading into Tiger? Tiger all wins. Yep. I didn't even bother clicking into this race when I was doing the study. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. That's what I like to hear. The cross country. The cross country is the time to go and get a drink. Paddy Aspel. Yeah, he's very hard to look past, isn't he? I mean, even then the Bulger was saying that he he probably struggled to to beat the likes of Tiger Roll because I mean that performance he produced the other day over hurdles um, surprised everyone. I think didn't it surprise Gordon Elliott, but yep. I mean he's he, he's a daft price now because of it, though, isn't he? Saying that he was only sort of sixty five percent or so fit for that race, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, the Fred Winter, um, there is a twinkle in the eye from Joseph O'Brien about Band of Outlaws. Should we believe it? Um, I think Band of Outlaws is the best horse in the race uh whether cheltenham's going to be his track i don't know but god he just he has stayed well in his races over jump so far uh i absolutely love him like i i, I tipped mm. him on here for the race at sereric one at 20s and he didn't run um in the dublin race festival but i thought he was very impressive the next day i, I I'm, I'm still not convinced they'll run him um I think he should run in the Triumph because they're going to go a million in the Triumph because what's going to happen is Sir Eric stays, Keldestan stays, and they both battle, and they're going to go out at hammer and tongs, and they're going to set it up for something to sit in behind. If And if Band of Outlaws is good enough and stays, yep. he could easily get involved there. So I really think they should run him in the Triumph. Um, but I like one, and he's, he's, he's uh, linked in with Band of Outlaws. I think he's a massive price. I really fancy one here. Maze Runner of Willie's. Like, if you go back to his maiden hurdle form, he beat Union Gap uh, Band of Outlaws and way back home on his debut. That was re- That's really, really good form. Then he went to Leopardstown at Christmas um, in the grade two, that Rocky Blue one, and he just got mullered on the bend. Like, he was coming with the run, got absolutely mullered. He, had, he got shuffled back, and that was it. The race was gone. Then he went to Nace in the race that Band of Outlaws won, and Band of Outlaws, like, Band of Outlaws destroyed him, but the race wasn't suit, run to suit Maze Runner that day. Like, he wants to go a million and sit in behind, and they went really slow. Like, he's 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 got a lot of stamina, this horse. He won over one and a half at Galway. So he would stay two and a half, no problem, over jumps. So a fast run, Fred, Fred Winter, he's got a 10-pound swing with Band of Outlaws for a four-pound beating, and um, he's 25 to one. 
Van de Velt was a six to one, and I think they're running him in the wrong race. So Maze Runner, like I could see a scenario where where Ruby is riding him. So if you have Ruby riding, uh, you know he'd be closer to ten to one, and people might cotton on to the the form with Band of Outlaws. I think the race is really going to be run to suit. One two nine is very fair, so I'd be very sweet on on, on Maze Runner here. Cracking case made and a cracking price to boot. That's Maze Runner in that Boodles uh, Fred Winter. Dermot Nolan, we've been talking about Surin a lot on here as a fancy for this race. Are you going to change your mind at your last opportunity or stick with Surin? <laughs> my last opportunity. Hopefully, it, it's not my last opportunity in life. Please God, but the um, I think uh, I think Surin, yeah, I, I'm. I'm not swapping at all. The former Gardens of Babylon, the former Sir Eric, the, just the former around the place, even way back home was franked it. I think a mark of 136 is uh, is quite lenient on what she's achieved. And I think she'll go very, very close to Yep, I echo that. Um, I'm a little bit concerned the price hasn't been coming in. I know it's preview night season and everyone is uh, jumping in and there's been a few mentions for it. I'm surprised to still see 12. Yeah, little... Little steps seems, seems to be the to one, be the one the, they're barking the about. Over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In those Chevy Park colours. Let's go to Paddy Aspel on the Fred Winter. Uh, I was thinking, put it on the the article the other night about Gardens of Babylon. Uh, another one of Joseph's as well. That's, I mean, he said that when this horse finished second behind Sir Eric, uh, he never travelled the yard that day, but he finished off quite nicely and said that he probably wants, you know, sort of two and a half now. So really, I think in a helter-skelter race like this around Cheltenham, um, you know, stamina certainly won't be an issue for this horse. I think his form is pretty decent. He's got 11 stone eight. He's got a fair share of weight to carry. But, you know, overall, it is going to be a pretty compact handicap. And the other one, I have given a mention in the past as well before, just see if it's got much chance of getting in, I think it will. It was the horse of John McConnell's uh, Hannon that ran very well and was unlucky not to um, to beat that horse of Gordon Elliott's at Nays the other day. Chosen, mate. Yeah, yeah he, he would have beaten me in another stride. And like I said, um, uh, Dave Noonan dropped the stick half up the running. Uh, I think without it, uh, or, or without doing that, I think he, he'd have beat him. So he's got 11 stone two to carry. Um, you know, same again, it's enough for a juvenile, but you know, because it's a compact handicap, it, it doesn't really matter as much. But as far as winners go, I, I would, um, I'm happy regarding the Babylon. Okay, Gardens of Babylon, a mention for Hannon, Surin for the race hour twins of myself and Derma, and Maze Runner for, uh, well, 20s. Big price for Stephen Cass. Let's wrap up day two with the bumper. Um, I've no view on it. I've been listening to the whispers from the preview nights that have been going around. And uh, this might come a little bit too soon for Envoy Allen. It might not be the right race for Blue Sari. Getting the queue seems to be uh, all back in favor now for, for Harry Fry. Now the Roonies are going to race their horses here. Um, a race I will not be touching. Stephen Cass, are you betting in the champion bumper? Yeah, I've backed uh, Edin de Who, Edin de Edin de Hooks, however you want to say it. Edin de Who will do. <laughs> Edin de Who, yeah, yeah. Um, like he won a point to point, uh, then he beat a one thirty rated hurdler uh, in a bumper, then won a listed bumper. The fourth is one since loads of stamina in the pedigree. Like he could go out, he'll be handy, which I like. He looks a real stare, and I think you generally want a two and a half three miler. Um, in the bumper so he was 20 to 1 when I was writing my notes there might be a bit of money for him I don't have the betting up in front of me 16s yeah I think that's very fair like and Pipe is well able to get him ready for this race so um, he's won it of course with Moonracer so I sorry am I right there did he win us with Moon... same colours yeah the Drew colours yeah did Moonracer win the Chetland bumper did. yeah 
And he won the Fairy House bumper the year before. Sorry, I'm thinking out loud here now, but it's odd that obviously he wasn't right for the year, so there was kept him in bumpers. Yeah, sorry, he won that champion point to point bumper as well. That's why I'm getting confused at Fairy House the season before. Anyway, I like Edinburgh. I like the way he does it. He looks very straightforward. Um, because I'm not crazy on the Irish. I think Envoy Allen is a complete boat. And while a boat might win it, he's favourite. So I want to take on a boat. And I I do not like Blue Sari at all. Like the way they talk, he shows nothing at home. And I think that was a nothing race. And he came up the standside rail when everything else was in a heap. And just, you know, he might have got the run of the race. And I'm not backing a four-year-old at four to one um, in the bumper. I doubt he's a cue card. So he's a terrible price. Um, Yeah, want to take on Envoy Allen. So Edinburgh is the one I came uh, down on. Okay, Enderhu for the pipes and uh, the, well, those bumper-winning colours of the past. Uh, 16 to 1. Dermot Nolan? Uh, no, nothing. Paddy Aspel? Hey, I'm going to stick with the Nichols horse here. I've always been with Asford Lorry. Uh, this famous Lorry Gelden. He won his point very well. And although it was a very run-of-the-mill Chepster bumper, he won on debut. He was sent about it uh, very early, knew his job, and he was very professional. And Sam Twiston had an awful job to pull him up that day. So Asford Lorry for me. Ask for glory at 12 to 1. That wraps up day two. We are going to take a break now on the race hour. And uh, after the break, we're going to hear from Adam Vella of Bet Hard. Of course, very um, grateful to those guys for sponsoring the podcast in the run up to Cheltenham. And that's coming up after the break. Bet Hard, home of the 30% combo booster, is the ultimate destination for Cheltenham punters who are serious about winning. With markets for every single festival race right now, Bet Hard has you covered with non runner no bet across all the championship events. Visit Bet Hard today. Where winners dare more. Ages 18 and over. Visit BeGambleAware.org. Okay, and welcome back to the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at gambling.com and, of course, Bet Hard. And I'm delighted to say, for the first time actually in the run up to the Cheltenham Festival, we've managed to grab someone from Bet Hard to give us a spin. Now, thanks very much for getting involved with the Race Hour podcast. It's Adam Vella. Adam, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, of course, we're all looking forward to the Cheltenham Festival. Thank you as well for being involved with our big preview night that happened just last week and the podcast. It's been a great association for us. We're delighted to have you aboard. Um, how are things at Bet Hard? I know that it's only recently that you've entered the Irish market, but you've been tipping away in the UK market for a while now. Yeah, well, a little bit about Bet Hard because we're quite new players into the UK yeah. market. The company was set up by a group of Swedish entrepreneurs who had a background in sports betting initially. Mainly we focused on the Scandinavian market. However, in the last year, we got a license to operate in the UK. Yeah. And we launched just before the World Cup. And last month, we launched in the Irish market. No better man to have uh, spearheading the uh, the Bet Hard ambassadorial uh, name than Zlatan Ibrahimovic if you're going to come to the party uh, just before a World Cup. Uh, how did he get involved? Of course, he's a big Swedish star. Yeah, we signed a deal with him beginning of the last year where he's an ambassador for our brand. Obviously, yeah. being a Swedish company, he was perfect fit for the brand in that market. Obviously, playing for Man United, he's got some exposure in the UK. He's played in Italy and Spain, and now he's playing for LA Galaxy. So the partnership's working well. Yeah, he's, well, he's, a, he's a cracking figurehead to have uh, involved. And at the moment, uh, there's an opportunity for customers of BetHard uh, to possibly be in with a chance of, of winning what looks an absolutely superb trip to LA and meeting the man himself. Yeah, we're, so we're currently running a promotion, which will be running over the Cheltenham Festival. Players can win a trip to Los Angeles. It's with a friend as well. So you can take a friend if you're lucky enough to win the trip. It's to, mm. it's to meet and greet Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So you're going to have time to spend with him, ask questions, etc. And then you guys will be off to watch an LA Galaxy match with VIP hospitality. 
The prize package includes flights, tickets, four-star hotel. And as I mentioned, you can bring a guest along. And it's really simple to enter. It's just simply you need to make a deposit of 10 euros. You yep. need to turn over 10 euros and you'll get a ticket into the prize draw. And we'll be um, doing the draw beginning of April, on the 4th of April, exactly. Okay. And people can get more than one ticket, right? Yeah, you can, um, you can get one ticket a day, but you can get uh, multiple tickets over the campaign period. So every deposit you make each day, you'll get one ticket. So we're going to so we're going to take fifteen players in total. Yeah, and we took thirty players last summer to meet Slater, and everyone really enjoyed it. The um, hospitality at the LA Galaxy Stadium is absolutely great. Mm-hmm. Even though the standard of football is not as good as the Premier League, obviously, it's still uh, an enjoyable time to meet Slater, and you can ask him any questions you want. Ah, for sure. The standard of football only improving over there, as we know, as they bring in some of these big names. And Zlatan now, I think he's captain of the LA Galaxy as well. So he's really taken uh, the city by storm. Fair play. That sounds like an absolutely great prize. But of course, we are talking about uh, Cheltenham on here, Adam. And it's it's time now that you guys have gone non-runner, no bet across all the markets, which is great. You've already got every race, race priced up, of course. But what can we look forward to over the four days of the festival from Bethard? Well, this is actually the first year we're going to be betting at Cheltenham. So it's super exciting for everyone in the company. Even the, Scandin- yeah. even the Scandinavians are getting involved in horse racing now, which is a good thing. Yep. But during Cheltenham, we're going to be doing double odds on the first race every day during the four days. Okay. So the max stake for the double odds will be £20. So, for example, if a customer has a £50 bet on a winner at 10 to 1, £20 of his stake will be placed at odds of 20 to 1. And the remaining Lovely. £30 on at 10 to 1. So hopefully. Okay. And that's the first race of every day. So you're talking about the Supreme, the Ballymore, the JLT, then the Triumph. Exactly. So hopefully our players will have a good start to each day. Good way to get going, isn't it? If you, if you manage to nail one of those. Yeah, just hopefully a 100 to 1 winner doesn't win the first race for our sake. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> it depends what the book's looking like. I, exactly. I wonder how, how the, the traders are fixed across some of you know the bigger races that obviously people are betting on for a little bit longer than some of the markets that are really only just about coming to life now at the Cheltenham Festival. But the big race on the first day, Adam, is the, is the champion hurdle. And whilst it might not have been the best division over the last couple of years, the way Bouvardera has gone and won it, he's been in for a third time, this time against two cracking mares. Um, how's that? How's that looking in the book there from Bethard? Well, the race looks wide open this year, doesn't it? We got it does. three strong favourites in the field. Boudevere looks to be the one to beat again. To be honest, he won very easily at Sandown last time out, and the horse yep. that came second at the race went on to win a Grade Two, so that form stacks up nicely. And obviously, the winner previous year, mm-hmm. I actually like Vadana Blue. He beat Boudevere at Kempton on the Christmas meeting. Yeah. Although he ran disappointingly next time out and got beat at odds on. That was a race on the old weather over mile and four. And at, Prep job. And at 12 to 1 for the champion, I think he looks a decent each way bet if you want to take on the top three in the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, and as that verdict over Bouvardet as well already, an interesting contender in there. And one of the champion hurdles, I think, you know, considering the way it's been looked at the last couple of years, it's either Bouvardet is going to stamp his class or we're going to see a new champion. If Apples J could win, there will be some very happy heads on the Irish side of the water. And that goes for Lorena as well. But Vadana Blue, an interesting runner in there. The Queen Mother, I guess this race wouldn't have seen too much activity, but I believe you've got a market up anyway without uh, Altior for the Queen Mother chase. And that's probably where you might see most of the action. Well, we've seen some money actually at short prices on Altidore. He really does look, okay. he really does look like a superstar, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's won, um, is it 17 in a row now? Yep. 
And they probably, I mean, Nicky Henderson was talking about the horses. If the only time they'll ever get this one beat is if they do go stepping up and trip, they're not going to do it this year. So the champion chase, he's five to two on at Bet Hard now. You've seen money from at short prices. He's a banker job of the week. So yeah, I think it probably it, I, isn't I think too it, much to do. Yeah, I think he's going to be a banker in a lot of people's, especially accumulators, lucky 15s, etc. Absolutely. It's one you throw in just to boost the old odds there for your various uh, multiples. What about the stayers herder? We've had a horse kind of prominence this year in Paisley Park. He'd be top of the market everywhere. I like him. He he was impressive last term out, wasn't he? But he's pretty short, to be fair. I think he's around six to four now, isn't he? Paisley Park. I think he's short enough in the betting for me personally. Um, He won by 12 lengths last time, beating West Approach, which is a good performance. So he's definitely a worthy favourite. I think I would take a chance on Forheen. It's one yeah. of my, my favourite horses. Um, we, we obviously need to need to hope he's a hundred percent back to his best when he does line up. But if he is back to his best, five to one looks a decent price to me. And I really love to see him win a stayers hurdle. Well, that's one of the results that would absolutely bring the roof off the place at Cheltenham if Forheen could uh, storm up that hill once more and win again at the Cheltenham Festival. Now, the big race of the week, and uh, there's plenty of them, but the Gold Cup itself, uh, we've got a horse from Ireland called Presenting Percy, who it seems there's confusion over where the trainer lives, where the yard is, whether anyone's even got his phone number. Um, he's a fascinating runner. I don't, think um, anyone, do you... I don't think anyone's heard from the trainer every day for two years. So. No, he doesn't do a lot of publicity. I think but he... the horse does the talking on the track. I think he trains the horse in the field, up, yep. up and down the field. Although it's, it's, I think it's another open race. I think Presenting Percy could be, um, well, it could be anything, couldn't it? We, we, yeah, we well, we did win an RSA in Kraken style last year, so you would normally see that horse somewhere near the top of the market. The fact that we haven't seen him jump a fence since, got to be a sticking point for punters. No, I think that's the problem. I think he had, a, he had a prep race over hurdles, didn't he, in January? Yeah. However, when, if he does line up for the Gold Cup, which looks likely, he wouldn't have had a run over fences like you mentioned for over a year. Yeah, he's, it's a big uh, ask. I presume he's seven he's, to two joint favourite with Clanders Oboe with you guys. I presume he's pretty straightforward horse and connections believe he can be built to peak fitness at home. But he's got. It looks like he's got all the talent in the world. Mm-hmm. I like. Um, I like Noel Mead's chaser. Um, Road to respect at fourteen to one. He was. Yeah. Uh, he was fourth last year. Native River was fourth in the Gold Cup the previous the year before he won his World Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. He ran a decent race last month, beating a short head by Bells Hill, which hopefully should put him right for this. And I think fourteen to one is another good each way price. There will be some supporters for Road to Respect. He's an interesting runner for Noel Mead. And Noel Mead, who's had success at the Cheltenham Festival before, of course, has got a very nice horse in his hands in those Giggins Town colours. Are there anything kind of outside of those big four races, Adam, that you've seen a bit of money for at Bet Hard that we should be keeping an eye on or any of your personal fancies of the week that maybe punters should be latching on to? We haven't seen a huge amount of money anti-post. I think these days a lot of um, punters prefer to wait until the day itself. I think yeah. the market's so strong at Cheltenham anyway, you're not going to see bookmakers pushing in too many prices. We've mm. seen some money for Angel's Breath in the Supreme Novices. Um, Santini in the RSA would be a really bad result for us. Okay. And um, Paisley Park as well. We've seen that horse back down into six to four with us. Like I said, I think it's a little bit short now, but punters are still going after him. I've heard some good things about Willie Mullins' bumper horse, Blue Sari. Yeah, it's it's around six to one now, and I think it was around twelve to one about a month ago. So it's probably a bit short now, but 
I've heard that the stable really think a lot about this horse. I think Willie Mullins has obviously got some great form lines in the bumper form in Ireland with the amount of bumper horses he's got in his yard. Yeah. I think they think it's one of their um, big hopes of the festival. And I still think six to one is still a backable price for it. Oh, it definitely is coming from that uh, yard. And if the vibes are good, uh, if you ha- like Angel's Breath, you mentioned there being back for the Supreme. He's a horse I think could actually end up going off favourite for that Supreme. And another Nicky Henderson horse who's had his little wobble there in the market this week was Santini. But you're saying plenty of money around for that one. So they seem to be confirming that he's all on track as well for an RSA. So they're interesting runners. And Paisley Park, as we know, very strong for that stayers. If I had to pin you down, Adam, for one horse to back at the Cheltenham Festival... Uh, which one would it be? It's a short price, but I think Tiger Roll in the cross-country race. I think he's like he's my banker of the meeting, basically. He won it last year, won the Grand National. He ran a very good race pre-Cheltenham a couple of weeks ago. which he, And then I think he's got course form as well. That cross-country race as well, having course form is very important. It absolutely does make a big difference. He's been a revelation at Cheltenham. I was on the preview night, of course, um, for the race I brought to you with gambler.com and a bet hard during the week and we had keith donahue on there and he was just hoping it all came together for him only 65 75 fit when he won that boyne uh hurdle last time out and they didn't think he'd do that so what a remarkable little terror of a horse really? and obviously a grand national winner already yeah, he's lining up for the grand national he looked like a pony didn't he no, absolutely in, in comparison he is tiny he's, but uh he's got the a great heart must be there yeah he's got a great heart and he battles all day long and he's going to give you a really good run for your money i think i think yeah, it's just sure. above even money but the field doesn't look strong this year and he's definitely the class in that field no oh, he is and fingers crossed for keith donahue of course who was on our preview that he can get another winner at the cheltenham festival adam it's been a pleasure to talk to you here on the race hour thanks very much as well to everyone at bet hard for getting involved with the race hour podcast and of course our sponsors at gambling.com um, i hope you're set for a massive week the first week that bet hard will take bets on the cheltenham festival and great to see everyone getting involved and if anyone does get involved also there's that chance to go and meet Slatan Ibrahimovic in LA. Adam Vela, thank you very much. No problem and good luck everyone. Thanks very much for Adam Vela coming on the show and uh, looking forward to a big week at Cheltenham. We've done days one and two. Let's get on to day three, the Thursday of the Cheltenham Festival 2019. It starts with the JLT, uh, a horse at the top of the market, lost in translation, along with Defi Desoy. Lost in translation is a horse I've never liked. I couldn't back him for this. I won't touch him. I'm a Defi Desoy fan. I go to Dermot Nolan, who I think, being a race hour twin, is going to agree. <laughs> um, you've known this I think this is the most headache inducing race that uh, that the Cheltenham Festival has produced um, the market's caught up with the top two because they've been they're racing against each other all year I'm not the biggest Effie Desai fan but I've just fallen on him uh, because like yourself Dean I'm not mad about Lost in Translation now, he won't stop in fairness to him very very honest uh, but I'm not mad about a real steal he jumps like a table He just he, he's the most awkward shape of a thing I've ever seen jump a fence but again it's that kind of race where he could just fall in I'd abs- as I've said already I'd love if top of the game came in I've fallen on Defi Desai but for no other reason than there, I don't think there is much else to be backing in this race Okay, two votes for Defi Desoy. Let's go to Paddy Aspo on the JLT. Uh, I'm with Lost in Translation, I'm afraid, um, simply because he, obviously the form was reversed last time, but the last time Defi Desoy and Lost in Translation came up against each other at Cheltenham, uh, Colin Tizard's horse got the better of him. And, I mean, this horse has got some tidy form. I'm just looking down, I mean... 
got pretty close to Le Bagarai, uh first time over fences at Newbury back in November. D- didn't jump well enough the next day. Uh, was fairly well behind the Bagarai, but then beat Defi Desai next time and was only beaten three quarters of a length um, by him at Sandown last time. The thing about this horse is he does have do a lot of the donkey work and at times can be a little bit of a sitting target but they've got to be very very positive uh, on him uh, the fact of the matter is he has got some decent Cheltenham form ran well last year in that race behind Somerville Somerville boy I know it's been cribbed but nonetheless he has shown up generally every time he's come to Cheltenham so um, but he is short enough at the same time but I'm, I'm going to stick with Lost in Translation Lost in translation for Paddy. Stephen Cass, uh, this race was brought up on the race hour preview night the other night. And Mikey Fogarty uh, made a good point that none of this kind of stuff should even be at the festival. It just moves horses around from races. We'd all love to see him running. Uh, where are you going with the race? Do you agree with that? I mean, have we got, we've already got too much racing at Cheltenham, have we? Oh, yeah. 100% agree with that. Should be a three-day festival, but it won't be. Like, they've built all these new stands. The Jockey Club are in massive amounts of debt. They've got to repay these bonds that they got. They have 100 million of debt. It's going to be five-day festival, so we better get used to it. Like, that's the, the economic reality of it. So it's it, it's going to Fair move play. to five days rather than four days. So, look, we have to live with it. The JLT is here, um, and, and it's not going to change. Mikey Fogarty's right, but, you know, we have to get real as well. It's not going to happen. Okay. Pick me the winner of the race, please. The winner of the race. Uh, look, I, it, it, you're obviously going between um, on the English form, Defi and Lost in Translation. I was fierce impressed with Defi um, at, at Sandown. But I think on, on a, from an Irish angle, uh, I can't understand how Real Steel is 6-1 to one and Paloma Blue is 25-1 to one when Paloma Blue was going to beat Real Steel at Christmas. Um, Henry de Bramman's a genius at getting them jumping well. Um, this horse will have been schooled within an inch of his life in the loose school that Henry has. I trust Henry to get him right. He's 16 to 1. No, 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 bet. If you heard uh, on the the uh, preview circuit that he's going to go to the JLT, then I definitely would chance that 25s, but I'd happily back him at 16s. Uh, no, 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 bet. Um, I think they'd want soft ground to go Arkel. I think they will come here, um, and I think he could be the best of the Irish, so I'll chance him at 16 to 1. Yeah, fair shout. I, a horse I hadn't considered for the race, considering they're all talking about the Arco. If they did line up there, he'd go off. Uh, He's always kind of looked a stare to me, that. you know. I think to step Absolutely, up and trip yeah. could suit him. Yeah, and it'll give him a little bit more time to get his jumping in order the, rather than an Arco. Not that they'll go slow in a JLT, that's for sure. Okay, that's the JLT novices chase. Paloma Blue, uh, not running no bet or at that big 25s for Stephen Cass. couple of votes for Deputy Desoy and Paddy Aspel. Uh, is on the horse I couldn't touch with counterfeit. Uh, that's a couch line, by the way, and that's lost in translation. An interesting race uh, to kick off day three. The Potemps Network final uh, is the following race on that card. I've been all over first assignment. I was delighted they gave him a proper break um, after his defeat around Christmas time. So I'm not worried about him turning up here without being seen again. Good chance of form. He will do for me. But Stephen, I'll come to you first on the Potemps. Yeah, two here at very big prices. Uh, one probably won't get in, so I'll be brief, but he's 66 to 1. Satoshi. He was fourth in the qualifier that Caneo run, but I thought he travelled the best, like the best horse in the race. Um, he was actually the horse that was awarded the maiden that Relegate and Caneo were involved in. Now, Caneo then went and won that Pertemps qualifier that Satoshi was fourth in. Um, he was third in a good handicap hurdle after that, and he had a bad run in the grade three at Thurless. But I'd forgive him the bad run. Um, 66 to 1, I think Satoshi's a big price if he got in. And the other one is a horse that has run very well at Cheltenham. Paddle Your Own Canoe was fourth in the Fred Winter last year. 
Um, now he absolutely hacked up in a qualifier over two mile five at Wincanton. He then tried three mile um, on soft ground and it didn't really suit him. But I do think he'll stay. He's forty to one, but the jockey would be the worry. Like he's 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 not the. I can't think of the name of the guy that's been riding him. Um, he's perfectly capable but look he's going to be in against the big boys here and he's he's not the most stylish rider rides very long which one's so I'd wait and see what's riding him the name of the jockey uh, which which horse are you talking about oh, the, the horse sorry is Paddy Own Canoe Paddy Own Canoe where is he yeah yeah actually Paddy you'll have more knowledge of these jockeys now have a look up now he might be very good but um, you know he's probably a, a couple of pounds of a penalty against the professionals the jockey is uh, is Harry Harry Kimba yeah, so look, at it, with Pagliarone Canoe, he's 40 to 1 there now, but I think he's kind of horse. He could be 50 or 66s on the day and wait and see who's riding him. Have a look back at that uh, Wincanton qualifier run. He was very impressive. He will get in. So he'll be one to keep an eye on on the day and back on the day. So they'd be my two. The horse that he beat is an interesting runner here. He's 10 years old now. It's Monbeg Theatre, who seemed to have been turned inside out finally after looking really promising early on in his career. So he's an interesting 10-year-old in there for Jamie Sloan at 25. So a bit of related form there. Dermo, I'll come to you. Uh, yeah, Dean, I'm I'm very happy to just uh, to follow your good self. It's a race that I've actually never backed a winner of, so I don't spend much time in it. And the uh, final assignment will do me. First assignment, another nod there. Paddy Aspel, final word on the per temps. Uh, I like the look of No Meads Cap York. Uh, if he turns up, yeah. he, he holds several entries, to be honest. Um, but that was a real good effort the last time. He hasn't stood an awful lot of racing this horse, but that was a real good effort the last day under stable jockey Sean Flanagan. So Cap York for me, but it's a it's one of these proper lottery races because these these per temps qualifiers all year, um, all you know, it's it's one of them races where they've just got to run in to to sort of jump through the hoops and and anything can can pop up on the on the big day in March, you know. Another one at double figure prices there um, for Normie. That's Cap York for Paddy Aspel in that attempt. Two big ones to remember Satoshi and Paddy Your Canoe from Stephen Cass and two votes for first assignment for the William Shard. Um, we move on to the Ryanair chase on the Thursday. I think we now know the betting is telling us, uh, Stephen Cass, that Footpad is going to pitch up here and take on uh, Mona Lee. Could be very much an Irish benefit, the Ryanair this year. Yeah, not, not, not a million percent on that with Footpad yet. Be- because, well, I say that because there's been a lot of money for Underso. So if Underso is definitely going to run and the Meneers insist on running in the Queen Mother, then Willie will run him in the Queen Mother. Like, he'll do what the Meneers tell him, you know. I, I, I think he'll have to. So I wouldn't be a million percent on it, but I think Footpad will win here. But I hate Footpad and he won't be winning. Like, he's only ever beaten uh, Berlaid, Petty Mouchoir, uh, Brain Power and a rubbish article. Um, I'm in that so fan I can't club. have Footpad. Don't like him at all. The Dean hates Footpad as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, we're, yeah, presidents of the I hate Footpad, <laughs> the I hate Jeff. Um, the one I really fancy and I've mentioned on here before is the storyteller who uh, won the Burn Group plate last year. Um, I think a, a fast run two mile five is, is going to really, really suit him. Um, Davy Russell will be riding him like he's trained by a genius. Uh, Monley definitely goes here. Uh, I know that for a fact. Uh, a friend of mine, Kieran O'Connor, who's hosting a, a preview in Watford on Thursday night in the Ullaroo. I'll give that a plug. It's a free preview for anyone in Watford Thursday night in the Ullaroo. He was down with Henry this morning and Henry said, uh, Monley is going to the Ryanair. So he, right he does run here. Um, but I just think the storyteller, you know, with with Fox Norton being out, there isn't that much in this race. Under so I can't have. He had his perfect conditions last year. He couldn't do it. Uh, like I said, I don't like footpad. So I just think it mightn't be that good in a, a renewal. 
and the storyteller's well capable to running if he improves in the mid 160s that could be good enough to win it he's 20 25 to 1 Davy Russell's going to be on board so I fancy him Okay, reaffirming previous comments made by Stephen Cass on this very podcast. Actually, sorry, sorry, Dean, to jump in again. There's a horse here that's a thousand to one on Betfair, Willie Boy, right? He was tanking when he fell in the Bet Victor, uh, could have won that day. And if he won that day beating Frodon, you know, he, he wouldn't be a thousand to one here. He hacked up Weatherby after that by 11 lengths over this trip. And they tried him over three miles at Donny. He didn't stay. Like, he's still on exposed at two and a half miles. He could be. 250 to 1 in the day 200 to 1 he's 1000 to 1 in Betfair there now if he runs back Willie Boy on the day at 200s or back him without a couple of favourites at 100s I think he could run in the late 150s over this trip because he really does jump um, and he can get into a rhythm so Willie Boy if he's a massive price on the day I'd be interested in him I did not think we would see a 1001 shot put up on, on this Cheltenham preview but Stephen Cass has delivered check, is he still a 1000 to 1 on Betfair delivered. he is delivered with Willie Boy at 1,001 for the Ryanair. Um, while you're checking that, Stephen, Demo, uh, Paul Nichols is a man who smells blood in the water. There's a few defections possibly from this race, and Froden's been creeping up in the betting. Is this an Irish benefit for Monolee and the likes of Footpad if it turns up, or are there a couple of English horses likes of Froden lurking in the midst? Uh, first of all, I can completely see the angle uh, that Stephen's making with Willie Boy. I backed uh, that horse for the bet, Victor, and it was absolutely cruising under uh, Richie McLernan won a Christmas under Robbie Dunn and was absolutely brilliant so I can see the angle he's 400 there now with nothing in the lay column but I think you'll get 250 on the yeah. day and he'll be fine yeah, no, 100% yeah. no no I, I can definitely see that angle um, but as far as this race goes for the actual winner I think uh, I think Monley is uh, it'll be very hard to beat I think he hasn't found much the last the last twice at the Cheltenham Festival but both times, uh, second behind presenting Percy, second behind uh, Penn Hill, and just doesn't quite see out the three miles at all. I think Henry de Brama thought he would, and he just doesn't. He 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 kind of travels just thing, but he stays a small before further two and a half, which is a great thing for this race. Uh, was brilliant last time. Flogas last year as well was just outstanding. Hopefully, be ridden a bit more aggressive next time um, by by Rachel Blackmore, or if Noel Feely gets gets the ride back now that he's back from injury we'll see but whatever rides it doesn't matter I just think Monley takes the absolute world of beating in this and I think he's uh, he's one of my best of the week yep I'd be with you on the basis that footpads is rubbish and Min um, is going to divert and take on Altior as we all think um, Paddy Aspel uh, are you a Monolith fan? Uh, I mean, that was just such a disappointing card at, at Gore on the other day. I really don't know um, if it was that good a trial, to be honest. Um, look, he got the job done, but I don't know how deep the race was. Um, do we think that uh, No Mead will run to a per me in this or the Gold Cup? I'd say this, Paddy. Yeah, I mean, because it's it it was two and a half round hurlers the last day. Now, I mean, he needed absolutely every stride of it. If if the if the line had came two strides earlier, he wouldn't have got up. But you know, completely different kettle of fish hurlers to to Cheltenham, and because all this horse, you know, he he was a absolutely unbelievable winner of the the Tritown. Um, you know, that was a serious performance. He's only eight year old. He's on the improve. I mean, he's got form at the festival in the past and I just really think he's on the up this horse and if, if, if he was to turn up for this I think he would obviously he's going to have to come forward again um, but I do think he is you know he, he, he is pretty good value road respect for the for the Ryanair 
Tua Permi, around 20 to 1 right now for that Ryanair. If that is indeed uh, where Noel Mead pitches up, well, it's a, a very nice looking grey, tough horse, Tua Permi. Uh, vote there for the storyteller and Willie Boy. Uh, massive, massive prices from Stephen Cass. A uh, couple of nods for Mona Lee. I think it would be really deserving of Mona Lee's career to date to go and pick up a Ryanair. And that was from myself and Dermo. Shall we move on to the Stayers, the big race on the Thursday, of course? Um, Dermot Nolan, you were on the race hour preview night the other night and telling us you've been trying to take on Paisley Park all year and now I think you've given up. No, not that I've given up, but just that he can make a fool of me one more time. Um, I think that race last time fell apart quite badly. I, I think the first three, including Black Op, and Simon Rowlands wrote a brilliant article on this as well with the, the kind of times of it. And they did, they murdered themselves up in front. And when you consider that's Black Op's kind of first run since kind of winning at Aintree last year, because his runs over fences were just, they were just so bad, he just can't jump. And he still was only seven lengths behind Deputy Sion last in translation that day, despite headbutting every single fence. And that run of thing, that would have done his confidence the world of good. Um, he ran on quite well at the end. He, he's a mammoth task to kind of turn it around, but I don't believe that running. And I think if uh, Noel Feely, just, just as Noel Feely so good at, gives him a bit more of a kinder ride kind of coming into this race now, I think 14 to 1 about Black Op is too big. And Kilbrick and Storm as well at 16 to 1. I'm very keen to take on the front few in the market. I mean, Paisley Park, 7 to 4, is too short. It just is. He kind of smacks me as a bit of a Sam Spinner this year. Um, Not obviously but, but by running the exact same way, but just that the English division, I, I'm not sure how strong it is at all. Faheen, he's too old now, in my opinion, as much as I'd love him to win it. And Super Sunday doesn't quite see out the true miles. So I think you have to look quite deep into this contest and Kilbrick and Storm as well. I mean, that, that was a really good performance in that Albert Barton last season. Uh, another one who was just an absolute disaster area over fences. So Black Up 14s, Kilbrick and Storm 16s, and I'll go to war with the two of them, Dean. Yeah, I'll be joining you going to war with Black Up, that is for sure. Paddy Aspel on the stairs hurdle. Yeah, I think that the price is ridiculous with Paisley Park, simply on, on the sort of fashion that he won at Cheltenham last time. But I just like this horse because, for me, he is solo mileage for seven. And the fact that, you know, Emma Lavelle, she was just so genuine the way she came out and said that this horse, that was the first time he'd ever jumped a hurdle in front in his life. Um, it was the Cleavy one, wasn't it? Yeah, at Cheltenham, you know, that's the first time he's ever been in front of a hurdle, and you could tell. And I mean, he was literally he was in reverse up the up the run, and he was doing that little, but he still managed to win by you know a, a dozen lengths. Um, you know, it does put a bit of pressure on him to to come to Cheltenham off the back of a performance like that, because you know people are going to want to see him back it up. But you know, I doubted the Ascot form. Uh, thought that race had fallen apart a little bit, but. Um, he he backed it up in no uncertain time, terms last time, and I think Emma Lavelle and Barry Fenton have got a real good one here. Okay, and it looks like they've got a real good one at the top of this game coming in to a Cheltenham Festival for one of the biggest races of the week. So all power to them if they can get it done with Paisley Park. Stephen Cass, are you a Paisley Park fan? Uh, yes and no. Yes, and that I think what he did in the Cleave was pretty special. Um, I was talking to Dermo before the Cleve saying, uh, you know, I love the Ascot run, but I have a big squiggle against him because of the way he hit that flat spot. Like people, people seem to yep. like these horses to hit flat spots. They tend to throw in the towel someday, pack it in and never come back as good again. Uh, those kind of horses. I don't like horses that hit flat spots at all. People will talk about big bucks. Big bucks never hit a flat spot. Like Ruby just be kind of keeping him up to his work. But, um, 
he really did now he was off the bridle and I just wonder you know going a faster pace when he comes off the bridle he'll be going quicker in this and when he comes off the bridle again he, he might just throw in the towel and not fancy it I'd have a big question mark about him um, but at the same time if he reproduces the run he could win I'm with uh, Dermo in terms of a bet on Black Op I think that he hit the front far too soon the last day um, Noel Feely will ride him um, with much more tender gloves this time and try and produce him at the last so I would chance him at 14s okay great that's three votes for Black Op in the stayers and Paddy's gonna stick with Paisley Park and like I said all power to connections if they can get Paisley Park to win the stayers be a serious day in plenty of uh, people's careers involved with Paisley Park it's a cracking stairs hurdle we think and if Forheen was to win I think no one would begrudge uh, that old warrior coming up the, up the Cheltenham Hill one more time in glory Let's move on. There's three more races on the Thursday. Um, I'm going to do the Mayor's Novices very quickly because you could almost sponsor this podcast uh, by Honeysuckle. So I'm going to ask Stephen Cass, are we all barking up the wrong tree with Honeysuckle for the Mayor's Novices hurdle? Uh, no, no, you'd have to love her. I actually think she might want to go up and trip, but um, I, like, I, I would prefer Sonoria of the two if she ran here, but I don't think she's going to run here and Honeysuckle's going to run here because they're both in the same ownership um of the of between epitant and honeysuckle and posh trish i definitely would like honeysuckle i think she's got the strongest form so i don't think you're backing up the wrong tree um i think sonoria beating chosen mate is the best form in the race but i don't mm-hmm. think they're going to run her here so yeah honeysuckle of the three Paddy, you know Dermot and myself think Honeysuckle is the second coming financially and also uh, visually we hope that this this goes and gets the job done for Henry de Bromhead. Anything you want to throw in? I mean, Epitante was good at Exeter, but that was a class four. Um, Honeysuckle's done a bit more so far for me. Yeah, I mean, look, form-wise, there's no comparison, is there, between Epitante and Honeysuckle, but that that means that Epitante is, you know, far more an unknown quantity. Um, you know, connections have really talked this one up. You know, they, they, they really have. So you just don't know that re- Epitante could really be the dark one here and could be the fly in the ointment. Um, but you know, of of what we have seen and the sort of tasks that Honeysuckle has been set, her form is far stronger. I mean, if she was mine, uh, I'd have said the handicapper has has maybe come up a little bit short at once or yet. I'd have her a little bit higher myself. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, connections, I'd say, are cursing their look a little bit, really, that they've got... Well, they wouldn't be cursing their look, but that they can't run both these mares, but they can't run them against each other. But, um, you know, the, the chances of having such good mares for the same race is... Um, you know, it's a rare one, but Honeysuckle looks very good. One there at a price, I don't know if she's in the other mayor's race as well, was Stuart Edmonds, Queen of Hearts. Uh, this yeah. one has, I've seen it win last time. Now, he really hasn't shied away from um, where he's run this mare. Like, he took her to Sandown the last day for the um, the grade two mayor's race there. And, I mean, she beat Dan Seidel two and a quarter lengths. She was very, very good. But, I mean, this mare in the past has won she has got a like in first hand down um but won a listed bump around there but i mean, won a listed bump around there only by a neck from queen's cave but one thing about her is she's very very tough she's got a bit of substance about her she almost looks you know like a big gelding um and at a price simply because of connections being you know uh, on the smaller side she would represent a little bit of value but she's also in the other mayor's race so just see if she does turn up here but um, I'm I'm in the honeysuckle camp as well. Okay, 
Honeysuckle and a, and a mention there for Queen of Hearts. Stephen Cass mentioned Sonoria, but unlikely that one will turn up. Uh, Demonon, just to prove you haven't, uh, you know, lost your love, uh, the winner of the Mayor's Novices Hurdle will be. Oh yeah, Honeysuckle, no doubt. Good, good man. Okay, a uh, couple other races then on the Thursday before we wrap up day three of the Cheltenham Festival. The Brown Advisory Plate and Maribel Stakes. Uh, big talking horse of the preview nights and has seen it sluice in the market is Janica. Now they're at nine to one, along with Sierra Delac, who was well at the top of that market for a while. Spirit of the Games has been coming in. Stephen Cass, I'm going to you first on the Brown Advisory. Uh, yeah, I've no great opinion here. I couldn't make head nor tail of it, and so I'll do. I mentioned Frank Frank Hickey earlier, and Frank was telling me to back Calandra twenty to one. Uh, loves Cheltenham on okay. a good mark if he can sort out his jumping. Um, so I just follow Frank in, but I'd, I'd have no great opinion on that race. Calandra, courtesy of Mr. Hickey there, uh, around 20 to 1 for the Brown Advisory. Dermot Nolan. Uh, yeah, uh, that's actually quite funny. Uh, Calandra is the is the one I follow completely on here. Uh, very smart horse. Again, I couldn't... It's the one live, love, laugh is the one I'm just trying to figure out where, where that horse goes because that was a huge one last time. But yeah. this, uh, this Calandra, like, kind of in and out of form for a long time. Unseated rider, one was really fancied behind Baron Alco. Uh, was third at uh, here at Cheltenham behind traffic through Fluid. That's really good form. Beat Kustar Savoa here here in the past in, in December 2017. That horse went on to win at the Cheltenham Festival. Is a horse that just seems to really love, absolutely love Cheltenham. Neil Mulholland has his stable ticking along nicely, and I thought 20 to 1 was just far too big. Okay. This horse thing. Two votes. Live, love, laugh, Dermo. I am praying he goes here because I want Patrick to write a complete plot job in <laughs> Which is where we're going next. Um, I, I've got live, love, laugh on the radar for wherever it turns up. The other one I thought was interesting in this race is Ben Atar, but I don't know if that one's going to line up. I thought 20 to 1 uh, would certainly be a price I'd be getting involved in on the day. Anything for the Brown Advisory, Paddy Aspel? Uh, one at a massive price a bit further down the way. It's, it would have, at the minute, he's got 10 stone, 10 is for another small stable and Tom Gretton is a horse called Cotto Rico. Um, this is would would be by far the best horse he's got. Um, has come up short once or twice, but on his day, he's a very very strong traveller, great jumper, um, and I just think he'd be an absolute massive price on the day. We've not seen him for a couple of months now, so Tom Gretton is obviously freshening him up and had this race in mind. So Cotto Rico at a massive price for the Brown Advisory. Porto Rico, yes, in there. Rag odds, 33s at the moment for that Brown Advisory. Stephen Cass, I've got to come to you first now because we're talking about some massive plot that you've lined up for the Kim Muir. Yeah, this this now is a plot job. This is my nap at the handicaps for the week. Um, it's Sky Pirate in the Kim Muir um, off America 134. Patrick Mullins, I, I was, this horse came in, like he was in my head anyway, and then Patrick mentioned on a preview that the Racing Post did online that he w- he wanted to ride this, but they have other horses in the race. So the only horse they have in the Kim Muir is Live, Love, Laugh. Hopefully he goes somewhere else, and I'm sure Patrick will be encouraging him to go somewhere else because he wants to ride Sky Pirate. If you look back at the amateur rider's handicap um, that, he rode, that he was in in November, that uh, I think the young master won it. But and anyway, he was, um, he was absolutely tanking, and he was coming to the second last and fell. Um, and his mark hasn't changed since then. And I think Patrick just fell in love with the horse that day. They have a mark of 134, which will sneak him in at 11-1, which is a weight that Patrick can do. So 
this horse is 14, 16 to 1. If Patrick Mullins is riding him in the Kim Yor, he'd be 5, 6 to 1. And he just looks like a John Joe Platt to me. On his chase debut, he was second to the 145 rated drinks interval. Then he was a length second um, to the 137 rated uh, looks now like Brian. And he was giving him seven pounds that day. Now he was a length behind him. So that was a run, you'd say a 141, 142 run. And he is running off 134 here. Um he went to Exeter then in the fog and he had little run round like he was kept Noel Feely had him widest of all um, he was kind of out the back and like you, you couldn't see Anthem they only came into the straight and he, he just like I, you can't read much into the race but uh, John, someone said he was eye-catching at John Joe and John just said oh well you couldn't see in the fog he made a bad mistake at the third last and stuff and I'd say that just suited John Joe down to the ground um, I just think this thing has plot written all over it and at 16 to 1 I'd be I'd be getting heavily involved I love that thank you very much Stephen Cass for highlighting something that uh, a race that I really struggled with the Sky Pirate a big big shout there for Stephen just Cass just watch back the that November run at Cheltenham you, I will. You, if you watch it back you will want to back this horse 16 to 1. I'd be happy to back it on your recommendation anyway. That's for the Kim Muir. Now, all the talk during the week was for measuring my dreams. That price has absolutely uh, disappeared, Dermanon. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Keith Dunahoo napped it, didn't he? Um, he? You know, he said he knows he's 11, but this horse's issue throughout his whole career has been his jumping. But when he does put it all together, he's very, very good. I mean, you know, that, that third in the four miler behind Native River, I mean, El Rocco kind of says it all. Um, but to be honest, I've been completely persuaded there by uh, by Stephen Cass. For some reason today in the podcast, we're on a real Stephen Cass loving. Um, but uh, if this horse wins, I, I'll I'll love you even more, Stephen. And uh, I think yeah, uh, just have a word with my WhatsApp racing friends, lads. I'm not a good judge. Like, you know, I just the the but yeah, I mean, fourteen to one about that. Is very fair. Dimension by Jeans was a big price at the preview. It was 11 to 1, 12 to 1 that night, but 6 to 1 now, you'd be questioning an 11 year old at those odds. Dave. He's 127 years old, has run 55 million times, and he's 13 to 2. Can't touch him. That's my view or measure of my dreams. Sky Pirate will do for me so far, unless Paddy Asquith could convince me otherwise with the final word on the Kim Muir. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Sam Whaley Cohen horse here, Impulsive Star. Um, I think Neil Mulholland has done a really, really good job with this horse. Won very, very nicely at Warwick there back in January. Uh, obviously, Sam Whaley Cohen is going to ride him, and he will be one of the most experienced, if not the best amateur in the race. But, you know, the thing about Sam Whaley Cohen is he has an awful lot of luck at, at these big meetings. I mean, probably entry more so, especially. Um, but, You've got to factor that in and factor in the form of the Mulholland team that couldn't be coming to the boil at a better time of the year. So um, a Sam Willie Cohn winner for me in the Kim Paddy, he's, he's going for the four-miler, so double him up with Sky Pirate. That's what you want to exactly. do. Exactly. I was just going to say exactly <laughs> that. I think he run in the four-miler, yeah, and I like him double. there. So I'm with you, Paddy, but you need him with Sky Pirate and you don't. He was saying, I, I don't know. I think Paddy, Paddy could be right, could he? I mean... It could be. I mean, we we don't know for yeah, sure. Yeah, because Neil Holland was saying there, but the his weight is exactly what it was when he won the classic chase. So I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. But we'll the see. young master, does Sam Willie Cohen not ride the young master, and he's going for he this? He will. He will indeed. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. I once asked this a final point on day three of the Champ Fair. I once asked Neil Mulholland in person which race he was going to send a certain horse for at Cheltenham and he told me no uncertain terms which race he was going to go for uh, which I went and then got involved in and he ran in the other option. So you never quite know until you know. 
for sure. Uh, let's crack on then, and we will move on to day four, Gold Cup Day at the Cheltenham Festival after this break. Check out gambling.com today for up-to-date horse racing trends, betting news, and strategy guides. Take advantage of our exclusive bonus offers for the biggest online bookmakers and casinos. At gambling.com, we write daily tipping pieces on the biggest sports. We find the best prices so you don't have to. Make placing a bet easier. Visit gambling.com today. Okay, and welcome back to the race hour brought to you with gambling.com. And of course, those clever fellas at Bet Hard were on to uh, the final day of the Cheltenham Festival 2019. Dermot Nolan, Paddy Aspel, Dean Ryan, myself, of course, and Stephen Cass, all ready to go and decipher. Well, try and crack the code for the final races of the Cheltenham Festival. We're going to start with the first race on the last day. That is the Triumph Hurdle. Um, myself and Dermot and Paddy and Stephen has all talked about Sir Eric on this podcast before. Uh, it's Getting shorter by the minute, 11 to 10, Sir Eric, to win the Triumph Hurdle. It's very likely Fakar Dudari will not be uh, taking on, um, of course, Sir Eric with the same connections. Then you've got Kel Destan, Peak Dorhi, who we've never seen at all, but has some very strong French form, and the likes of Tiger Tap Tap uh, in this market. Paddy Asport, going to go to you first on the Triumph Hurdle. Um, we've all been impressed with Sir Eric. Do we think he is going to win the Triumph? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but he is shortening all the time. But to be honest, I think probably it's pretty justified, to be honest. Um, it's very hard to pick holes in this horse. He's just very, very solid, hurdles well. Um, he's very straightforward. And I mean, although we didn't gain a lot of knowledge from his last run at Leopardstown, you know, that wasn't really his fault. And he got the job done very nicely. But um, I was having a good look through... Nichols's horse this morning, Quell Destin. Do we reckon he'll go here, boys? He will go there. I mean, apart from when the Williams horse, uh, Montezra, beat him on his first run of the season where he was just far too fresh at Chepstow. Now, I mean, since then, he, he's, he smashed Montezra, but he's been unbeaten since Chepstow. And he has been in one or two small fields, but in fairness, this horse's form all season is very, very good. He's done nothing but improve. Now, he has had a busy, a busy season, but he looks a right tough, hardy sort. And, you know, the form that the yard is in at the minute. This horse, uh, you know, around about 8-1, to one, he's probably the value bet in the race for me. Um, I mean, Sir Eric, much lower mileage and probably is a more classy horse. But, you know, when it comes down to being streetwise and going round Cheltenham, because he has won round Cheltenham, Quell Destin, just might be, you know, the worst look in the world at uh, round about 8-1. to one. Okay, that's interesting because, like, I would say if there's one hole you can pick in Sir Eric, he hasn't really been eyeballed at a top level over hurdles yet. He has on the flat, and I thought the last race, and you mentioned it well there, Paddy, that he got a free run off the end of under Mark Welsh. So, Stephen Cass, is there a hole in Sir Eric you're interested in picking? Not really. Um, I was fierce, impressed with him, obviously, at Leopardstown. I know they went to crawl and he had it easy, but given they went to crawl, the way he went... Uh, away from them from the back of the last was very impressive and the speed he showed there wouldn't be in the slightest bit worried about being him being an entire I think that's like that's a total red herring like the horse is a four year old Sheridan O'Brien and Joseph sent four year old entires to Ascot and places like this all the time like it's not you know and they don't get buzzed up it's the big thing in France as well Stephen like there's not it's not even I would say it's common in France that they try and they, they keep them entire yeah I I think it's some people trying to sound clever and it's you know if you do it, it, that's it's a total red herring. I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't pay any heed to that. Um, 
my issue, I think I mentioned it earlier when we talked about another race, but about Fred Winter with Band of Outlaws, is I think they're going to go an absolute million in front. And I love Keldastan as well. Um, and I see what Paddy's saying. He's so tough, like he's so gutsy. He kind of he, he he looks perfect for the triumph. But what's going to happen is Sir Eric and him are going to go hammer and tongs from three out probably because the two of them have stamina the two of them love a battle so they don't want to set it up for a speed horse but that's what they're going to end up doing um, so I'd be worried about Keldestan like you could nearly I wouldn't say he's dirty each way I, you know he could he could um, fold if Sir Eric beats him or vice versa I'd nearly chance place laying the two of them a sharp prices in running and see mm-hmm. what happens um, now that said I think that one of the two of those will win because Band of Outlaws won't go with it. I couldn't have picked Dory. Like, he's not even winning those races in France. Um, but if they do go too crazy, crazy, then maybe something will close and you could chance something like Pentland Hills of, of Nicky Henderson's if you're getting 25s on the day and five places. But I, I wouldn't be getting involved at the moment. I just, I'd be very wary the way that race is going to be run. That's the only comment I'd make on it, but I don't have a great opinion on it. Okay. Bit. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a difficult one to, to have a great opinion on because I think we're all very well aware of just how good Sir Eric certainly seems to be. Uh, Dermot we mentioned the point about him being an entire, Stephen says it's not something to, to be, um, he thinks a red herring, but you know, there's a, there's a couple of shrewd old connections in this race and they, they might stick a filly in front of him around the paddock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you definitely would do that, wouldn't you? Um, but I would, I would. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just not something though that I'd be overly worried about. I mean, he would have faced this before, uh, you know, in his flat campaign. He's not a horse that hasn't hasn't ran a few times. I mean, the just kind of moving on to Cade Sin for a second. It, it's just the English juveniles. I just don't think they're much good. I mean, he's been as tough as nails, but Felix Tadar has absolutely butchered them, and um, obviously not not the same horses, but a few of the ones running in those races and he absolutely hammered them. So I'm just not sure what the English are actually bringing to the table in this division at all. Completely agree with Steve. I think this race could be set up for a closer. And I think that actually might be Gardens of Babylon. I mean, he had a, a horror route round um, in that race behind Sir Eric. Sir Eric was the value winner, but Gardens of Babylon will be staying on. He's he's got the exact same sire running in a lot of the same maidens. He's, he's clearly very highly thought of as well. And, 14 to 1 I think he's the one that will be staying on late um, I could see him placed and, and to be honest I have him I have him in this race as the clear second best so I think he'll be he's a solid each way option and I think he'll get much closer to uh, Eric this time around Okay yeah and of course you did put him up on that race hour preview night of course that everyone can catch on gambling.com and Paddy I, I know we did talk about Hatton for a different race here it's possible Hatton lines up in this race and I know you like him from the McConnell yeah um, you know this is a horse by Camford Cliff season he's actually got no flat experience um, which is strange for, to compare to a lot of these um, but you know the thing is he's a, his form on paper looks a little bit underwhelming because you know some people might think that John McConnell had to fetch him over to the UK to get him off the mark at Musselburgh wasn't really a very deep race but he won it very nicely and you know, I think the lads knew that they had a sort of racehorse on their hands, sort of the 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 water they were dipping their toe into it. Nace the last day, and I mean, he ran an absolute screamer. So he could just be sort of the value bet simply because of connections. I mean, the handicapper's given him a mark of one three three. Um, I would go a little bit more myself. Um, judged on the because really he would another stride, or even if if like I mentioned, um. Davy Noonan hadn't dropped a stick. You know, he could be sort of two and three over hurdles, this horse. Um, so, you know, yeah. I think he's got a fair bit of potential and he is very, very low mileage because he's not he's not raced on the level, you know. 
Okay, so I think Stephen and Paddy then with Kel, Des, Dan and a couple of each way shouts like of Pentland Hills and perhaps Hannon, Dermo's native colours uh, for a little while now to buy Gardens of Babylon at a price in the contest. I only had one other horse to mention for the Triumph and I was talking about it on that race hour preview night was uh, was Cracker Factory. Now I'm hoping it turns up. The Connections had Fuzil Raffles to go and win a really tidy race uh, just a couple of weeks ago. That misses the festival. They have got Cracker Factory here in early parts of his seasonal form. Uh, looked like a triumph horse. He's now been surpassed perhaps by some of the other efforts. But if he turns up here at 50s, um, I'll certainly be trying to get involved in the without favourite market and let Eric run for everyone else. Um, interesting race, the triumph. Anyone else have anything else to say before I move on? Dermo, uh, Gardens of Babylon, does he definitely come for this? I don't think you could nail your colours to the mast in that race yet with him. He could go either way. But I, th- I, I think he'll go on the triumph, but could go either way, couldn't he? Mm. It, 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 there's no doubt. Like, I mean... Your man, as always, Joseph has said that this horse, even now, um, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're four-year-olds, but they're still juveniles. Uh, you know, he said he'd get two and a half now. So the fact of the matter is a good, strong pace really would suit this horse. And I would agree with Dermo. He'd, he'd get a fair bit closer to, to Sir Eric this time because, you know, it was a hack canter around Leppertown the last day, so he had no chance, really, because he just wouldn't have the the natural speed of that horse or, or wouldn't be as good as him, really. But he'll get, he'll get a good bit closer to him this time if he turns up. Okay. Okay. So there's a few day prices that we can take on to Eric with if you're that way inclined. He will be many uh, people's banker of the Cheltenham he, Festival. He'll be six to four in the morning now. I wouldn't be backing him at even money five to four. He will be six to four. Like the Friday is the biggest punting day. It's Paddy's weekend in Ireland that weekend. Everyone in Ireland is taking a day off that Friday. Like there, there'll be nobody at work. But is everyone in Ireland not going to just back Sir Eric? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But like they're going to want to get custom in in the first race of the day. And I'd say they wouldn't even mind laying a 6-4 loser because they'll have money to punt with for the rest of the day. You know, that might be a bit simplistic. But I I think this horse, you know, they're not bookies if they don't take him on first race on the Friday, St. Paddy's weekend. So I would definitely wait. If you're going back in Sir Eric, wait. And I think you'll get 6-4 in the morning. Okay, and if you do get six to four, that's doubled for 20 quid with Bet Hard, as we heard from Adam Feller earlier on the podcast. So that's an interesting start to day four of the Cheltenham Festival. That's the Triumph Hurdle. Let's move on then to the County Hurdle. Um, Wanderlei sits here at the top of the market. I would be completely against him after what I saw the last day, although apparently he wasn't up to very much. He does top the county hurdle uh, market. A few in here, I guess it would really help if we knew exactly what was going to turn up, Stephen Cass. Yeah, but, you know, you've not run on a bet, so you can pick one out at a price and, and, and run with it. Like, you mentioned Wonderlash. I love that form of the Fairy House race that he won. And uh, I mentioned it here before they ran but the old Pierce MCR. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the, the race now. At the, It's the Labrox Hurdle at the Dublin Racing Festival. I mentioned this. Yeah, I think it's the Labrox. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned this horse in that context, but he didn't run. Saglawi. So he's only a pound higher than his Irish mark here. And if you look back at that run of Fairy House, that Wonderlace run, Saglawi was nearly last turning in and flew home for third. He actually hit the last. He could have won. He could have beaten Wonderlace if he didn't hit the last. Um, he's got some very, very good form. Like he was third at Christmas um, to Espar Dallen uh, at Limerick, but he wasn't really comfortable yeah. on the ground. I think he wants good ground, and he's never actually had it. He was third last year in the Grade One behind Saldier at Punchestown. 
Um, he's 25 to 1. And if you watch that Fairy House one, you will definitely want to back the 25 to 1 with him. So I'd be very interested in Saglawi. And you'd be hoping Ruby might ride. So you could be getting something that'll be close to the 10s. And the other one I'd mention is uh, Chittabello. I thought he ran very well the last day at, uh, I think it was Aintree, was it the race? Anyway, he's down to down to mark now of 148. He was previously a high 150s horse. And I think he's coming back into himself. Um, it was it was second to Midnight Shadow at Aintree. And Midnight Shadow probably is he looked a bit of a machine at that intermediate trip the last day two miles is Chitabello's trip uh, just off 148 and the skeletons are so good in this race I think he'd have a squeak as well so they'd be the two I'd, I'd look at I, I love Chitabello for a, for a job in just this type of race at some point I know they had him really well uh, didn't have a race in mind for him just the before yeah just before the vaccination thing kicked in and now now they can come here so You'd imagine they've been getting him cherry ripe. So I like that shout. Shit to Bella. Yeah, well, one of the owners mentioned to me, I put up on Twitter, I was disgusted that he's missing out on the Betfair. And uh, Ian Marmion. Yeah, yeah, Marmo, yeah. And he said he was absolutely sick. That's what I picked up too. So you know they've had that horse right. It's only a couple of weeks past. So you'd imagine he'd be cherry ripe to go for the county. So he's an interesting shout. And Saglawi from Stephen Cast. Emma Nolan, the county hurdle. Uh, yeah, Dean, so... As I was saying in the preview, I think Wicklow Brave is very in- or not Wicklow Brave. Sorry, uh, I think um, I think Whiskey Sour is very interesting in this. Just gone up a few pounds from last year. It'd be interesting to see what, whether the Coral Cup or this. I'd imagine his target kind of depends on whether Yoradell gets in or not. Uh, but I think he'd be very well suited again to the County Hurdle. He kind of came looking like he was going to win that race last year, and just maybe with the ground he had to make up between the second last and the last, kind of maybe it had petered out on that ground. Um, if given, if kind of held on to a bit later, I mean, Mohayed, who won that race last year, has gone on to win a major handicap again. That horse is now eight pounds higher. This horse is three pounds. And I think generally, had you ran that race again and maybe held on to him a little bit longer, he, he might have got there. Um, so I think Whiskey Sour, he's, he's kind of big old odds between 14s and 20s around the place. So I think he's he's definitely worth a go in this. And whilst, whilst Wonderlate, it's very interesting, Dean. I think at eight to one, you'd you'd you definitely would would want to know something from the old the old Charles Burns yard to see see what's going on. And then another one that I've been looking at, if he was to run, is Grand Sansi, who's still holding on to his entry here. Depends on whether or not they go to the Supreme, obviously. But as Steve was saying, it's uh, there's each way. There's there's not running no bet. So uh, Grand Sansi would be interesting if he was to turn up here, like any of the any of the novices would. But the one I've had a proper go on is um, is Whiskey Sour, Dean. Okay, whiskey sour for Dermot Nolan. Paddy Aspel on the county hurdle. Um, I was just looking at the horse to beat Angel's breath. I wonder would he go, lads? As Nichols said, much of a Southfield stone. It's his, it's his only Cheltenham entry. It's possible he might be looking to. He's in the he's in the Imperial Cup this weekend, uh, Paddy. So I'd say if he won that, they'd probably go for the the, the bonus, wouldn't they? Yeah. Like the, this horse's form, he's just gone from strength to strength very quickly because, you know, this is another one like we mentioned about the Hannon. You know, he's never raced on the flat or anything. Um, and he's very low, a couple of bumpers, and then he's had five spins over hurdles. But, you know, I mean, he got pretty close to a lecture the nuts in the tall work. He was only just over three lengths behind him. And then, as we've seen, he beat Angel's breath the other day. He was a little bit disappointing at Taunton in between, but it'd be interesting because, you know, we've seen a few of the Nichols horses this year, like the, the horse that Dermo just mentioned, 
um, of Nichols has had a very busy campaign as well, but they seem to be absolutely thriving on the race and just so tough, uh, especially the way they run the races from the front. You know, they're there to be shot and they, they, they do it the hard way. And I mean, this Southfield Stone for me looks to be a horse who's thriving, but obviously we'll have to see how he fares out at the weekend and, and if connections are keen to fetch him back. I think with the love for Angel's Breath on this podcast from myself and Damo, Southfield Stone goes and wins the Imperial Cup, goes off a short price for the county, and Angel's Breath goes off favourite for the Supreme Novices. That's the way I think this uh, could play out. Um, I'd row in as well with uh, Chittabella. I think there's definitely going to be primed up. Uh, Stephen Cass's selection in there, along with Saglawi. So we've managed to find uh, two 20 to one shots, a 25s and a 16s, which is what you're expecting to get in a county hurdle. Should we move on to the next race, which is the Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle? Uh, Dermo, I'm going to come to you first here. We've all waxed lyrical about Commander of Fleet on this podcast for some time. Uh, you might be taking him on, will you? Uh, yeah, just purely on the basis that the best horse generally doesn't kind of win this race. And like Mikey Fogarty was saying during the preview as well, he thought he looked a small bit weak and Keith kind of agreed with him. And whilst he's he's as tough as old boots and he's going to be the best of these horses, um, I'm just not convinced that it'll be in an Albert Bart. Like it kind of rarely is, you know, that the best horse doesn't tend to win this race. And whilst a lot of horses will have missed targets, there's an awful lot of horses that haven't. Like, you know, Lisnagord, Oscar has gone to all the parties. You know, you have a good few horses like that there. Darren Ross, etc., that I've been running all year, and they're the kind of horses that I be that I be I be looking towards. But the one at thirty three to one is um, is Rock Point. Last two runs have been poor, absolutely no doubt. But he drifted markedly, like he drifted in one race from four to one out to sixteens, and I just don't think he would like. They were the days when he's going to strike. It more comes back to over course and distance, which again is a great gauge for this race when he absolutely hammered the field, beat Lisnagor Oscar quite well kind of is very similar to Kilbrick and Storm last season and that like he's had was he had eight starts um, he's just as absolutely tough no sorry he's at 13 starts he, he's as tough as nails and um, at 33 to 1 I just think he could be the surprise here like I think the likes of Dickie Diver Vander Fleet Birchdale these are going to be the horses that kind of kicking on Alaho as well these horses are going to be the ones that long term are going to be the best of these but I don't think you're looking for that on the day in the Albert Bartlett and I'm, I'm happy to have a a small each way and rock point for the Tizards at 33 to 1. He's a big price. Uh, Paddy Aspel, the Albert Bartlett, how does it uh, how does it fare in your head? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a big Dickie Diver fan. Um, you know, I really think with maybe a bit of luck in the shores room, he should be 3-3 three three this horse. He was unlucky at Chepstow getting a bump right on top of the line, really, uh, which I suppose is why the stewards left the, the, the result as it was that day. But, um, we've seen him since connections have brought him back in trip maybe just to teach him a little bit more and try and sharpen his goal while gelding up and um, at Chepstow the last day even though they did shave a bit off his trip as I've said he travelled so well and Aidan Coleman there was nothing in the race to take him as far up the track as he, he'd have liked so therefore he just wasn't very good at the last simply because he was dusting and he took his eye off it but I'd say connections he's only had the three starts he's been very impressive um and I really, he's, a, he's an unknown quantity, but he looks to have bags of potential. And I just hope, and although he's six-year-old, just hoping this doesn't come a year too soon, just experience-wise. But he's a very, very good animal, this sticky diver. Okay, Dickie Diver is a fascinating animal. And Stephen, I'm going to come to you now. I mean, we've got the likes of Dickie Diver, Commander of Fleet, Birchdale. They've done bits and pieces on the track 
perhaps maybe not enough to win an Albert Bartlett in terms of experience and toughness. Where you've got Liz Nagaroska, who's probably done just enough. It's an interesting top of this market. Yeah, it's it's always an interesting race because you always have that kind of ability versus, uh, you know, battle-hardened horses things. But I, I, I think it's less of a factor this year because with the ground, there isn't as many horses that will have had those heavy campaigns. So people are looking for a horse uh, like Lissnagar Oscar, d- deliberately looking for one that's had a ton of runs. But I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be hanging my hat on that as much this year. The one I love, and I just love this horse, <clears throat> excuse me, is Commander of Fleet. Um, like, he he won his maiden hurdle. He then ran the grade one over two, which wouldn't have suited him at all. And he travelled like a very, very good horse that day and wasn't beaten that far. Um, and then he went and he won the grade one over two six at Leopardstown. Now, he was getting two pounds that day off Rhinestone, but I thought he beat him very comfortably. If you watch it back, he really did uh, finish out his race very well. So, like, three runs, one, two of them in a grade one, one of them where they were hammering tongs from... Uh, a mile out nearly and with with rhinestone not really a mile but six furlongs out they started going at it and they had to go around the last they were really battling and he battled better than better than anything so that's plenty of experience for me uh like i said before on the podcast i think elliot's gonna have such a big week you're gonna have elliot and davy oh, sorry i actually don't know was it davy russell or jack kennedy sorry i should know that but anyway you're gonna have elliot um having a good week this thing could go off you know five to two three to one favorite on the day so I think seven to one is very, very fair. I absolutely love them. Um, the English horses that they've been getting beaten and running in loads of races. I, I, I don't. I honestly don't have a, a great handle on them. So I'd uh, bow to the lads on those ones. Um, just to 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 take off the emperor's clothes and and just give away a, 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 the secrets here. We recorded the first three days of this yesterday, which was Wednesday. Today is Thursday morning. We're finishing the Friday, so we have the Carl Cup entries now. Just while we're talking about um, Commander Fleet. Rhinestone is still in the Carl Cup, lads, and they have Birch, they have Dicky Diver, so Rhinestone's been left in the Carl Cup. Joseph Ravine very quickly mentioned it last night that he'll run in the Albert Bartlett or the Carl Cup. Oh, he's going to go off favourite for the Carl Cup. Yeah. He's tw- <laughs> now, the 20s is non-running up, isn't non-running a bet, but there's loads of 14s there. There's no way he'll be 14s in the Carl Cup. No way. So back that non-runner no bet. Sorry now, I know we mentioned it yesterday at 20. So I'll be taking the credit for the 20s while we record it. You but, can, uh, you can yeah. always reinforce a good one, yeah. Stephen. And don't worry about that. So, okay. But you're a massive Commander of Fleet fan. I can only echo what you said about Commander of Fleet. I saw him in the flesh at Punchestown when he was a little bit, I think I described him as barely and not really knowing where to put his legs. He's come a long, long way since that run at, then at Leopardstown where he beat Rhinestone. They missed the last and he had to really put his head down and then he cleared away again at the line. I'm a big, big fan. And like you, I think he will be going off around seven to two or so for this race. So sevens makes a lot of appeal. Um, it, with the old format of trying to find an Albert Bartlett winner, the only horse that reasonably interesting me was stony mountain in the hemmings colors and he's a 33 to one chance if you're looking for um some well some big big prices there they'll be bigger available i reckon on the day when this uh, field actually tightens up at the top end i think you might see him at proper rag odds and i could see him running into a bit of place money but commander of fleet's a big charge for me and um, dermo's gone for rock point dicky divers a big fancy for paddy Aspel and uh, two commander of fleet votes here and don't forget rhinestone if he pops up in that coral cup will not be those prices as per stephen cast now the gold cup is the next race on the card but we're going to leave that to last and we're going to move on to the fox hunters might not have a lot 
lot to say here. The vibes all year, and I'll go to Dermot Nolan first, was that stand up and fight would be the right one for this race in those JP McManus colours. There's been good whispers for Uccello Conti across the preview night circuit. Apart from the rest of them, I've barely heard of them, Dermot, so I'll leave it to you. Yeah, no, I, I, to be honest, I haven't heard of, of many of them. Pasha de Polar is probably big again at 25s, but um, I just stand up and fight is apparently meant to be an absolute machine of a yoke altogether and the uh the the whispers has been that this horse could have ran in one of the the kind of the better novice races this season we've been here we've kind of heard that before but you can see by the way that the money's been coming all year for it the way he won it down royal at christmas so i can see why that's there but it's a race dean that i'll um i do back every race at the Sheldon Festival, I'm not going to lie that, but I'm uh, I'm not going to tip a horse up for this race at all. Dean. Okay, I'm going to put you down for stand up and fight, <laughs> and I, I'm going to I'm going to take a nod there as well. Paddy, have you been keeping any eye on the fox on this? Um, the horse of Paul Nichols's wonderful charm. We absolutely bolted up round Doncaster the other day. Whether he's going to um, come back again so quickly, really, um, he has been. Th- I believe they'll be running, yeah. I believe they will be running. If I mean, right. he's had a few goes at the festival and he's only finishing the money once, but nonetheless, he has got a bit of course and distance form and at least we know he's fit and well. And, I mean, I don't think really age, you can you can sort of factor in these sort of races because they are sort of horses that are that are at the, the later stages of the careers. But, um, you know, it's a very, very good animals in here from the past. Um, but it's all about jockeys too. I mean, really sort of races like this you want to see the decks and see who rides what because jockey ship would count for an awful lot because they can tend to go an absolute million in this race you know and it can just fall to bits and, yeah. and, and especially a lot of these older horses they can really take liberties at their fences because they just get a bit casual with their jumping but um but yeah jockey ship for me is a big thing so probably best off to wait and see decks Okay, and I should clarify for anyone who's listening to this and thinks that I haven't watched racing over the last 10 years, I've heard of most of these horses (laughs) in the field, but I just have to say, I haven't seen them do anything in the Fox Hunters sphere, to be honest. So Steve and Cass, we'll give you the final word on the Fox Hunters. Um, I doubt you've got a 33-1 shot, but I hope you have. No, um, Cad de Burley... he ran in the race last year and he clattered the second. Uh, I must give credit to Reese Williams for putting me onto this and I watched it back. Reese Williams, uh, and he, anything he says on pointers and those kind of races is very good and he was very sweet on him. He was 20s on Saturday, but he actually ran on Sunday and bolted up by 40 lengths in some uh, nothing race. But he, he ran in the race last year, made a really bad mistake at second and he was kind of behind then and he had to make up ground and make up ground and he was only beaten three lengths in the end so he wasn't beaten far then went to Punchestown for the, the champion there and he absolutely hacked up he won by 21 lengths and that's normally a really strong race um, on the yep. fringe was in that race and he beat he was beaten 22 lengths so Cad de Burley probably him and Wonderful Charm are the best horse in the race on the track Wonderful Charm uh, I, I, I can see why Paddy likes him but I, I don't think he really stays three miles so Cad de Burley was the best horse he's come out he's shown he's healthy he could have easily won the race last year with a bit more luck so 10 to 1 him is fair enough um, now I am stealing Reese Williams work so I won't take much credit if he wins but he'd be the one I'd back uh, sure, if you back him and he wins, you'll, uh, you'll take enough credit for yourself, Stevens. Cad de Ballet will do. Uh, Ballon Slow, I thought, ran a nice race in this last year, and he's 33 to 1. I know he's one of the older, older stages now of the race, but I'm just throwing that yeah, in. Yeah, Dean, you're just looking up last year's result now and throwing something out while you're reading it. So that's codology. 
It's the only race. It's the only. It's the only fox hunters apart from the other two festivals that I've watched. Um, but yeah, I was involved financially with Balance Low last year, and like Demo says, I do have a bet in every race at Cheltenham. But that'd be one of the ones where I wouldn't be too bothered to be in the bar. So that's the fox hunters. Uh, on to the grand annual, please. Next, um, I'd put up what's wrong with you before he went a one at Fontwell. Um, for Nicky Henderson because I knew that he'd probably only have one in the race and that came out of the stable tours that they did on gambling.com. So he then was an all right price. He's now looking like his second favorite at tens. The favorite here is Magic Saint. Uh, for the grand annual, I'm going to go to Paddy Aspel first and uh, give me your thoughts. I was just looking at Willie Mullins' mare, Camellia de Cart. I wonder are they going to, she's in at Nace at the weekend um, and she has, she does hold a few entries, but I mean, of the Cheltenham entries, I'd have thought that this was probably the more, I mean, they've got her in the Arkle and the JLT. Um, so you'd imagine that this would probably be their easiest option, but they've also got her in a grade three at Nace on uh, Saturday or Sunday, I see here. But I've been very impressed with this mare because I think Paul Townend has done a wonderful job with her because... I mean, earlier in the year or in the season, she was frightening to watch because she just used to go absolutely flat out. Um, but she has just gotten the grips a little bit with with the racing job, and she's not such a white knuckle ride now for poor old Paul Townend. But nonetheless, he has done a great job. But her his jump, her jumping has got better because it needed to, because she was, you know, she was a one way ticket for me earlier in the year. But she has smartened up. Um, she has suffered one defeat four runs ago but that was in very good company around Tipperary uh, but since then she's been well placed and you know she's more than paid her way so I mean obviously fractions are going to be strong in a race like this but she is a very very strong traveller and the fact that she has improved in the jumping department I think it will really stand her in good stead here because I've ridden it in, in a Johnny Henderson Grand Annual it used to be used to be the last race of the day um, yeah. and the, the the early gallop is just, there's no words for it. It's, it's, it's very, very hectic. Okay. She's a fascinating contender if she turns out. Camelia Descartes, Demi Nolan. Uh, yeah, uh, as I was saying at the preview, it wasn't a race that I had a terrific view of, of but uh, I'm going to follow David Jennings in on, on Le Prezien, uh pound higher last year. It looks like he's just been waiting for this race again, has been there, has done it, it's still the right age, so... I think Le Prezien was a good show from David Jennings and uh, I'll be following him here on this. Okay, Le Prezien for Demonon to repeat last year. Camelia Ducotte for Paddy Aspel, should it line up, looks a very tasty price. Stephen Cass. Uh, yeah, I have a horse here that definitely runs, so you'd always be, you'd always be um, really encouraged by that and wanting to back it, but I actually think it'll be a bigger price in the day, so there's no benefit to this knowledge now. Um, Antipost, but mind's eye of Henry de Bromheads is definitely going for this. He's number 30, so you presume he'll get in. Um, he's a horse that has always shown a ton of ability. Yes, but he was a hipster's horse last year because the way he won a handicap hurdle at Christmas at Leopardstown, there was a novice handicap hurdle and he won like a horse with absolutely any amount in hand because he was putting his head up in the air a bit last year and he actually did that almost on the bridle and you'd say if he put it together, he would have, so he went off favourite or close to favourite then for the um, the race that off you go on, the Labrox hurdle. Um, but that was last year, and I think he's he. I I never thought I'd be tipping up mine's eye for a race at Cheltenham because of that attitude. But he's definitely starting to put it together. He's really getting his act together. If you go back to his hurdles form, he was second to Sam Crow. He beat Quick Grab him. Then he was fourth to Lawler at Aintree. So it's fair form now. 
Now he's in here off 142, and if you watch back the race at Leopardstown, the Camino one over two mile one, uh, Mind's Eye was just too far back. He was seventh or eighth turning in. He he really put it in and put the head down and ground it out to, to and he finished fourth, beating maybe three lengths or something. So I think his attitude has really improved. He's got a load of ability, but it's his beginner's chase win. That that's what's really really exciting. Um, sorry now, and I'm gonna have to go and pull it up here. I should have this in front of me in my notes. But he ran in Wexford in a beginner's chase. And he beat uh, Timmy Rowley, which is nothing special. But uh, us and them was fourth that day. And Duke of the Thai was third. And he really trounced them now. He was a much better horse than them on the day. So in here off uh, 142, I think is very fair. Um, you'll have Rachel Blackmore riding him. You know, which is a which is a big big positive as well. One that won't be caught on. You'll be getting five six places on this race, and I think he could be twenty to one in the day. So I'll hope he has sorted out his attitude. Like, and Henry de Brom has a genius at these chasers. So I think he's made for the race as well. The strong pace is really going to suit him because he's such a good traveller that he'll be there at the second last, coming down to the last. Uh, hopefully he'll get up the hill, but I'll chance him anyway. Pretty strong fancy, I think, Stephen, for you, Mind's Eye. A decent price as well in that Grand Annual right now. Could even be a bigger price on the day. Uh, Dermot Nolan's gone with Le Prezian, who to repeat uh, last year's victory. I've gone with What's Wrong With You for the Henderson uh, camp, now around a 10-to-1 shot. And if uh, Camellia de Cot runs, that's where Paddy Aspel is going with the Grand Annual. On to the Martin Pipe, and this will actually end proceedings at this year's Cheltenham Festival now. They're letting the, the professional jockeys head off early to the bar and letting the boys have a go. Dallas the picton has been all the range for this uh, so far, and uh, I'll go to Dermot Nolan first. Yeah, it's... Um... You can see the angle with Dallas just picked on has done absolutely everything right. And Gordon Elliott has never made a secret of how much he loves winning this race, given his affinity with Martin Pipe and the years he spent training with him. I say Uridel probably has more of a chance of getting into this, um, but there's just kind of 68 entries left now in the Coral Cup I saw. So he might just squeeze in there, hopefully, um, for, the, for, the, for my anti-post book anyway. It'd be great. But the, the one I've fallen on here, Dean, is early doors. Um, I just thought he was a big price a 20 to one or so and he's kind of shortening up now just like, like that was a big run last year in third and like that form I think that was a stronger race last year than it will be this year I mean blow by blow has definitely let it down there's no doubt about it he hasn't kicked on at all but Discarama in second has franked it in fourth side of Burley is now favorite for the per temps so early doors has, has gone up three pounds was was a woefully big price is kind of shortening up now to where he kind of should be I'm not sure how strong this race actually is. Um, when you look at the top of the market and the first kind of 16 or so in it, a lot of them aren't going to run. So I think early doors will be much shorter than he is now. And I think uh, taking that price is definitely advisable for one who's more than likely coming here, Dean. You know the trip of the race, Demo, don't you? I do, but he ran well enough in it last year, didn't Yeah, but he's a short runner. That horse is, is Dean, one he of ran a terrific race in this race last year. Looked the winner yeah. against two very strong stayers ahead of him. And he stayed stronger than a horse who's fancy for the attempts. So I don't think staying is much of an issue for him. He's one of those horses that will look and travel with gusto. And then, no, he doesn't have I'd any... agree with you if he was ninth or 10th, but he finished third. So I, I just don't see the angle on that at all. Now, to be honest. You might We're finish. all getting crabby now, lads. You... We're nearly finished. <laughs> day four. I just, you know, it's, it's early Dean going. has made us go for a second day at the pod. Oh, oh yeah. God. <laughs> I tell them now. Do not. We're really exhausted before the festival starts. Yeah, I've been waiting for him to say early doors out loud. And now he's said it. So that won't win. So can we go to Stephen Cass on the Martin Pipe, please? 
Yeah, I'm going to finish by tipping two Henry Bromhead horses in a row. Mine's eye in the Grand Annual and Daybreak Boy here. He's 134 in Ireland. He gets in here off 138. Like This is a, a, a 98 rated flat horse. He's got a serious engine. Um, the step up and trip is really going to suit him. So he's two from three over hurdles this year. He won a Navin maiden. Navin, you'll hear from endless Irish people. Oh, if they can win it, Navin, they love Cheltenham. Uh, he was then sixth arm on the great three over two miles. Now he was there jumping the last, but it was two miles is way too sharp for him and he just didn't have the speed he wasn't beaten far that day at all like he's beaten eight lengths by arm on that day um, but that, like I said that was too sharp then he absolutely hacked up at Clamel like he won by nine lengths but he won with his head in his chest so he kind of could be anything um, given his flat form and he's in here off 138 you know the, the worry with him is that uh, being a conditional race who will ride him so it could be Rory Deegan or it could be a guy called Hugh Morgan who rides for Henry a bit and he's only ever had three winners so I'd like to see or hear in advance who might ride him um, Dylan, Dylan Robinson is he oh sorry ignore that he won't he be won't riding that. him anyway <laughs> um, but yeah he's, 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 he's 25 to 1 he definitely goes for the race and uh, yeah just maybe it's the Watford man in me that I'm tipping three Henry de Bromhead horses throughout the, the, the week here but I think 25 to 1 is a very fair price and he kind of could be Anthony if you watch that Clamel run and if you watch the Aramon run um, he's shown decent level of form and I'd say he's a bit hashed, uh, inverted commas here under the radar under the radar he's not fourth or fifth <laughs> favourite as well from yeah. Stephen Cass he's 25 to 1 daybreak boy what's the bottom mark going to get in here Stephen you think um, go to one of the lads and I'll tell you what the BHA said in one second Howdy, let's hear what you have to think about the Martin Pipe while Stephen does a little bit of research for me. I was going to go for a bigger price one here for Fergal O'Brien, Dino, in Coolandy. Um The thing about this horse is he likes it round Cheltenham. Now, he is a front runner, doesn't have to make the running. Uh, and I think over this trip, they'd probably prefer not to because he's got his fair share of weight with 11 stone 5. But, you know, it's a boys' race. There's going to be plenty of gallop on. Um, he's won mainly over sort of two mile or just beyond, but never this far. But he has been placed at this sort of trip. He's fitting well. Good run last time. Um, I mean, he's come up against the likes of Champ and a few others, and he's just not been good enough at that level. This is more uh, his sort of bracket. And Frogger O'Brien just does so well um, at Cheltenham. So, cool Anley for me off a mark of around about one four two. Uh, for a yard who's had another terrific season in Fergal O'Brien I think probably his lad in the yard Connor I think it's Connor Brace would, would ride him and he's very very capable one okay. One three four. Dean is what the BHA say. I think one three four, one three five is the lowest in the last five years so I'd say you're looking at one three six up is guaranteed so Anthony from 54 up so a Claire de Buffault who's 25 here which seems big for a horse you hear a lot about but anyway and anything from him up which means that you're Adele, should get in here um, and Daybreak Boy is on 138 so he's number 38 in the list he'll definitely get in and Paddy what was your one? Cool Lanley Cool Lanley oh he'll he's 140 I think oh yeah he'll, he'll definitely get in yeah now if Sonoria went here I think she'd be she could be different class to them I do think she's a bit of a machine but I, I imagine they might go Ballymore with her or even run two in the mares but um if she runs, I'd, I'd, I'd be all over her. Yeah, there's a good few ifs and buts still left about this. And that's why, you know, like, see, Eurodale has been 
hammered in the well at least been clipped in let's not say it's been hammered in the market if there's no money but it's certainly been clipped in to join Dallas the Pictons at the top of the market I would, all, all the talk about Jordan like he's a bit of a like Jordan can pack it in any rogue. day he wants oh, yeah. and he always wants a massive gap between his runs and he, like you're best off fresh in the summer is all his form I'd be a bit worried about him now I just think if you're backing him back him win only not each way if you fancy him yeah and because of all this talk he's going to be no price anyway wherever he yeah. finally gets in that's it um, need to get Aubrey up get Aubrey up yeah well why not he's won a couple of Galway <laughs> big race at Galway um, let's talk about uh, Countista which is my fancy for the race but I'm a bit concerned about 1-3-3 won't be enough um, for Henderson to get Countista into the race and they will find it some race at Cheltenham I'm sure um, the other one I thought was interesting if it did go here was Expatriate and if that turns up at Cheltenham I'll be getting involved with that for a uh, well, I think it's a nice horse on had an interesting season. There are a couple of throws at that, but as again, I'm not really certain what's going to run. Daybreak Broy for uh, Stephen Cass. Can I just touch on the Urdal thing again? You can, Sorry. of course, yeah. Sorry, but his last four wins, right? A Listole Maiden Hurdle, 876 day break. He then went a 265 day break, won at Nace. Then he had a 50 day break and finished seventh in a handicap hurdle at Fairy House. Like, this horse really does have to be fresh. Then he had a 104 day break won again at Galway now he might have ran very well when he was brought down in the low sun handicap hurdle so maybe my theory is bunk him but all his good runs have come off big breaks even when he was second in the Cesar which um, he had a good break there he'd all of September most of October um, and he only ran on the 2nd of February so I, I have a theory with that horse that he really does want to be very fresh um, he's only coming in here he after was, five weeks he break. was to be fair to my pardon as you said, Steve, he was, to be fair to me, he was traveling really he well. Was, he was, he was. That, that is the, that, that's the one exception to what I'm saying. But, that's you know, outlier, yeah. he does, yeah, he does put in his best runs after a really long break. I know. It's a fair theory, definitely. Okay. We've gone for Cool Lanny from Paddy. Early doors, which won't win, from Dermo. Daybreak Boy for Stephen Cast. And uh, I've probably put up one that won't get in the race, and that's Countista. Um, let's talk about the grand finale of the Cheltenham Festival 2019 and the Gold Cup. Now, we've done Gold Cup previews. We've talked about the top of this market. We've talked about the fact that no one knows um, even Pat Kelly's phone number, let alone where his yard is, and that even applies to Davy Russell. Um, the Gold Cup is a fascinating race, probably... Uh, more open than anyone would have expected perhaps at the start of the year maybe I'm wrong I'm not sure let's go to Paddy Asport and see what he thinks of the Gold Cup it's your final chance on the race hour Paddy to put people right with a Gold Cup winner yeah well I mean I was looking at that stat the other night about a horse going to Cheltenham it was something was it 1926 the last time a horse went to or won the Gold Cup without having run over or jumped a fence that season in public um, long, long time ago. So, obviously, presenting Percy is looking to do that. But, um, what was the crack with with Galway the other day? Did was there any footage of him going around, or did anybody actually see? We saw a photo. We saw a photo of him jumping <laughs> with Maldini, was, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a photo of him jumping, and they actually changed the track to make it go left-handed yeah, for yeah, him. Yeah, like, seen it. Just um, phenomenal stuff. Also. Just very strange. But I mean, nonetheless, I would never ever question a fella like um, Pat Kelly because just his festival record is just phenomenal for a small trainer um, you know especially how well he's done with this horse I mean obviously he was so well in when when, um, when he won first time but um, the thing is it's just it'd be better off for him if he wasn't Gold Cup favourite because the preparation has been far from ideal. There's an awful lot of pressure on him now and, um, you know, he's, 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 he's there to be shot and he's there to be cribbed. Um, 
I mean, obviously, if if they're just looking on the on the BHA admin site here, I mean, Cheltenham haven't even updated their ground since three o'clock yesterday, um, which is a bit of a joke, really. Um, but Nader River, obviously, if it keeps raining, his price is going to shorten. Um, Clandesobo for me has been phenomenal this year. It's just his lack of Cheltenham form, um, or the fact of the matter that I don't, I don't even think has he even ran a Cheltenham ever. Oh, he's zero from four, zero, zero from four or five, yeah. So that that's probably, I mean, the thing is, he would probably be a silly price, really, if he did have some Cheltenham form, but that's the box he's got to tick. But nonetheless, you know, Nichols has always referred back to the to the, to the point about the age of these horses, and he's at the same age as, as his previous Gold Cup winners um, when they won Gold Cups, and, and Clandes Oboe is there now. So he might just be getting to be the finished article, um, but he has got questions to answer. But... For me, I would still stick my neck out and stick to my guns with, with Pat Kelly's horse presenting Percy because I just think he is a genius, really, and there's obviously been factors there where we haven't seen him jump a fence in public. But if he does get him here and he does win the Gold Cup, I mean, I really do hope the man gets the credit he deserves because I'm sure at the minute there's an awful lot of people that they must think he's off his head, you know? It won't make for great television afterwards if that horse wins, because I'm imagining Pat Kelly still won't talk to anyone. Uh, Stephen Cass on the Gold Cup. Um, where are you going? Yeah. Well, for, firstly, Dean, what what a race! Like this is. It's cracker. I, it's yeah, yeah. It's 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 not the best Gold Cup we've ever seen. The one with Long Run, Denman, and Kato Star was a better Gold Cup, but this is the best race in terms of. Um, depth you know and, and having a view for a better it's just just a fantastic race um, presenting Percy yeah I'm not going back at him I don't like the way he's being campaigned so I've kind of taken it against the horse I don't like the way connections don't uh, speak to the media I don't find it charming personally I don't, I don't think it's great for the sport there's nothing but for it, the sport it's, it, it's no. an awful situation I think well it, look some people find it charming it's their horse they can do what they want but like it's not endearing to me people that find it being rude and endearing is beyond me but anyway that's there he is so I've kind of irrationally ruled him out because I don't want to see him win but like he's a fabulous animal and that RSA win was incredible so he could easily go and do it uh, he won't carry any of my money but um, easily could see him winning I'm not too worried about the prep I think uh, Davy Russell's happy like we know if he hadn't run at Gorn over hurdles y- y- you could put a line through him but he did um, and he, he showed that he's uh, in fine fettle so I wouldn't be too worried about the, the not jumping the fence this year uh, Clandes Oboe I think he's better on a flat track he's uh, obviously improved his form but I don't like his head carriage I don't like his tail so I will take him on as well Native River I think the Gold Cup left a mark on him and he's not going to be able to reproduce could be wrong there but I think he'd want to bog and our friends in Norway don't think there's going to be much rain at all so I'll go with that that we're going to be kind of good good to soft uh, Kemboy definitely has a chance big big chance uh, loved his run the last day I, I, I'd imagine they'll want to keep David Mullins on him so wouldn't put anyone off him can't have Thistle crack uh, couldn't have my bite I think he's uh, given up the game and the one I like is Album Photo who I think had plenty more to give when he fell at the second last in the RSA last year I think he definitely would have beaten Monley because Monley's a soft finisher at that trip um, and he only they, they keep saying this horse wants a trip so uh, I just can't wait to see him over the extended trip and the way he jumped at Tremor I know it's Tremor but that was a good race I just loved him that day um, I heard Ruby say last night he's probably his likely ride uh, 
I, I didn't hear it, sorry. I saw on Twitter that Ruby said this at, at uh, a preview night last night. So if Ruby's riding him, 14 to one's a fair price. Um, I would love to see him go and do it as well. I, I just like the horse. So album photo for me, but, but what a race. And I just can't wait for it. No, and I'm in your camp too. Um, I think of the Mullins horses, album photo would probably be the one that's at a backable price. Here we are now, now giving out about presenting Percy. Album photos had one run all season, so it's a bit rich now, in fairness. <laughs> was, it, was it over a fence? Well, album photo, he really does. He kind of does want soft ground, so I hope the rain does come far. <laughs> so I think that's why he only had one run. And, uh, you know, like the ground, he was going to run um, in the old Tennessee. Irish Gold Cup yeah he was going to run but the ground it was a road that day so like that's fair enough okay we're letting him away with it plus you know they do tell you what's going on with their horse um, let's talk to Dermot Nolan about this fascinating Gold Cup yeah uh, basically every Antipos article I've done and everything else has been uh, based around album photo for the exact same reasons as Steve said I don't need to go too much in depth he, he rather nailed it like, like he gave 9 or 10 pounds that day to total recall at Tremor and even William or David Casey, who was representative that day, said as well that that race benefited massively because of the fact that the ground was so good over Christmas. So, you know, you had like in third and fourth that day was Alpha de Zobo and Invitation Only, who went on to finish first and second in the Tayacy's chase. So that Tremor race is much more than Tremor form would usually be. And I think 14 to 1 about Alvin Foda, completely agree that uh, Alvin Foda would have been much closer to presenting Percy, not saying. He would have beaten him, but he was just coming. Ruby was just. He probably, he probably wouldn't have beaten him, Dean. You know, but he 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 has improved since, and the Punchestown run when he was going to win was going to be a serious run, and then Tremor showed he improved again. So even though he might, he wouldn't have beaten him in the RSA, there's nothing to say he won't beat him, um, in the Gold Cup. But like at six to eight, he was six years old last year as well. So like there's there's visible improvement there in him. So I think a fourteen to one completely agree, and uh, I have backed and I will be backing um, Alvin Foda. Okay, another vote for Album Photo. So Paddy's going to stick with presenting Percy. The two lads think Album Photo is the bit of value and the one from the Mullins camp. Uh, I think we're probably all thinking it won't come right for Native River and after a grueling Gold Cup, might not be the time to get involved with him. Klander's oboe questions about his head carriage. I question perhaps the trip as well, slightly. I know he won a King George. Um, He's kind of still been got Conti point two, isn't he? Yeah, a small perhaps, bit, I think, perhaps, it? yeah. I just question whether he's got it in him for that last furlong and a bit at Cheltenham. But, you know, this is where you find out. That's why it's the acid test. Uh, Thistle crack, we can assume, even though it looks like his form this season is close to where he was, he won't go and produce a career best and win this, which he'd probably need. Um, the one horse that got dissed there was Might Bite by Stephen Cass, but I have a view on Might Bite. Well, supposedly he had ulcers. Yeah, that's what's being said now. Yeah, that's what they're saying. But there's also a chance he was a complete pig, and he's finally given it up. You know. Yeah, he was just a mad bastard that's finally gone off the edge, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, and he's finally he's, he's finally, just said, finally oh, okay, I've had enough. He's like that outlet <laughs> yeah. in the bar that's just finally lost it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> he was yeah he was clinging in for a few months, <laughs> yeah, and then was, yeah. You know, now now you find him outside in the corner. Like, yeah. I, look, I think the the thing with Mike Bite is you can say that a Gold Cup can bottom a horse, and if any race was going to bottom him, it was that battle with Native River. But what my view is that Nico de Boinville didn't bottom that horse in a Gold Cup because he came out one at Aintree. Then let's take this ulcers thing on merit. Let's also take the fact that, you know, quarterization of a pallet doesn't last forever and they've gone and done it again. He didn't run last year between the King George and the Gold Cup. He hasn't run this year between the King George and the Gold Cup and they've done his wind. 
and they say they've got him back. We don't have to believe Nicky Henderson, but they say they've got him back. If they have, he's 14 to 1. I know he's 10 years old, but he's better than this lot. So my view is might bite. Last year's might bite would win this Gold Cup and win it well on good ground. So at four teams, and there was bigger prices around when we first, or when I first started talking nonsense about this horse, um, I thought that was cracking value. So I'm going to stick with might bite. I'm going to be happy to be wrong two years in a row um, if it doesn't come off. But if it does come off, I think he's a Gold Cup winner. So you can all shoot me down if you want, or you can leave me in my uh, might bite halo. I think silence tells you everything. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, isn't, isn't madness summed up as doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So there's, there's no point pleading with Jardine. Well, I can't wait for, the, for the, It's a much better race, better, much, much better race than last year. You think? Yeah. 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 100%. Okay. I think that's probably fair. I still think Mike Bite of last year on good ground would have won this race. Yeah, but the, the the chances of Mike Bite running up to his mark that he ran to last year's Gold Cup this year, is you know, that's probably a 14-1 shot. Okay. Then I might just be getting the price that he should be. <laughs> I'm going to get involved though. So it's Mike Bite for me presenting Percy for Paddy Asport and the two boys, Stephen and Dermo, are on the album photo train. Uh, lads, it's going to be a superb week at the Cheltenham Festival. We should um, cover a couple of questions I think we got from our Twitter community on the race hour. Dermot, I believe there was one about top trainer and top jockey. We've covered a few of them. A few of them were saying to us just not to bother to, to cover the arc, etc. So we kind of, you kind of skim over them. Uh, David Weldon is is big on honeysuckle, but uh, Shane at Orange underscore nineteen seventy nine said, "Are there any strategies to betting the festival top jockey market? I want the Dutch, the Gigginstone duo, Russell and Kennedy at best prices." Ah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, Ruby is eleven to four. Barry Garrity is three to one. Russell is fives, and Jack Kennedy is sixes. Uh, with our sponsors at BetHard, would anyone be interested in getting involved in uh, in playing the two boys in the Gigginstown colours? It doesn't sound like a sensible thing to do because they're eating from the same pie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, hundred percent. I'd want to take a view nearly on one of them and look at their life. I'd take a view on Russell nearly, would you? Because they're presenting Percy and yeah, and Russell would be riding a lot of the Elliot horses that aren't in the Jigginstown colours, you know. But but yeah, it, I often think with this top jockey market that if you like one, like I think you know Rachel Blackmore could have a great festival. She's fifty to one, but you'd be far better off doing putting all of Rachel's horses into kind of three doubles, trefoils and fourfoils, the ones you fancy. Yeah. And leaving out the singles. If you fancy her for the top jockey, you'd probably get a better return. So if that chap fancies Kennedy or Russell, try and work out what horse they're gonna write. Try and do your own calculations on trebles, fourfolds and fivefolds, I'd say, for top jockey. See how much that'll cost you and see what they'll pay on different scenarios. Do a little spreadsheet. Because you might end up getting a ten to one return if the average price ones win, then you would on the six to one. Now to take a bit of work, it's not a it's not a market I ever really bother with. But I often think you'd be better off um, doing some clever multiples and spending the time working those out than trying to second guess um, the top jockey market. Yeah, I completely agree. You could have them both running for you then as well. As if, if, if you know, if he's fancying those two, he must have two or three horses from each that he thinks is going to go in for them. So you're going to need two or three at least. So then you can put them all and have them running for you. So what what wins top jock five or four thereabouts is it? Yeah, you you st- four four. You'd nearly want five now, wouldn't you? Probably five to win. Yeah, like if it was four, I'd nearly get Rachel Blackmore a squeak. She's a hundred to one actually with 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 um, bet three six five. 
Mark Walsh has been put up by a few people as well, but I don't think he gets enough outside rides, does he? Yeah, probably won't have enough. He'd want Everton to go right for him again. He, now, Mark Walsh, if you fancy Mark Walsh, definitely take his main rides and put them in multiples. That will pay more than yeah, the top job. 100%. Because the, the lads, Mikey Fogarty and Keith Dunne, were putting up uh, Jamie Codd oh, stop. at yeah, the preview. Stop. And it was they, yeah, and it was kind of Don McLean. Don McLean came across and said that. He said, look, look, nowadays it's not three you need. You know, you need yeah. four or five. But all David Jennings said was, you know, for those of us that do fancy Jamie Cott to have a few winners, just put them in. Yeah, like Mark Walsh is 16s. Um, so if he's four winners and you can, yeah, pick the four, it's going to pay a hell of a lot more than 16 to one. Yeah. Okay. Let's chat about uh, top jock, top trainer. Um, Gordon Elliott's six to five favorite. Normally it's just Willie Mullins at the top of the market. Not anymore. I think this year, because of the fact that Gordon isn't, he's not in a position now to be winning the top trainer unless Punchestown goes ridiculously well. So I think he's going to throw absolutely everything at Cheltenham. Um, like the, the entries he has in every handicap and everything else are just, it's mind-boggling the amount of horses that man has. So I'd say Gordon Elliott is going to take the absolute world of stopping. Little strategy, which I think was the original question there, was that if you're not you know, someone inclined to go back in uh, Gordon Elliott's runners... <laughs> You can always have a little saver on the top trainer and cover your uh, cover your back end. I don't know if that's savage advice, but it is some six advice. to five though. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, just but you know, some people just there. don't back his horses. You know, there are people yeah, out yeah, there who just. Enough, yeah, I'm yes. not backing the Gordon Elliott horse. Well, you know, if he goes and has eight winners, you'll still be sitting on yeah. a on a return, get some of your snake back. Okay, that's top jockey and top trainer. I've got a final question for everyone on the panel before we wrap up uh, this Cheltenham preview. Um, what would make for a great Cheltenham for you from a punting perspective? We can take. Um, we're all looking forward to a, a fascinating gold cup and I think even if you don't back the winner of that race it's going to be uh, something to watch and behold and we'll all be talking about it for a long time because it looks that type of race but from a punting perspective uh, give me two things you'd like to happen or two horses you need to win over the week and I'll go to Dermot Nolan first Th- uh, Thankfully nowadays it's never a need to win which is uh, always a good way to uh, to address punting anyway you should never need a horse to win uh, but the two... Enjoyment value, Dermot. It doesn't have to, you know, you can have your fiver each way, but what I mean is, is it, know, you know, know, which, know, what's going to make you feel most like you were absolutely vindicated in all of the chat we've had in the run-up to the Cheltenham Festival? I'm being pedantic. Um, honeysuckle to win the mayor's novices for every reason, from uh, self-esteem to uh, financial, and then um, the each way bet of the week for me will be Surin in the uh, in the Fred Winter. So if, uh, if both of them win, Dean, it'll be uh, one absolute hell of a week. You'll have enjoyed yourself at that point. Stephen Cass. Um, yeah, my two biggest returns would be album photo and the Gold Cup. And Willie um, Boy. I, I've, well, actually, sorry, yes. Willie Boy, Yeah, <laughs> if he wins the Ryanair, that will be the biggest return. And uh, album photo, if he wins the Gold Cup, I have a good bet on him at 25s. And Espardala, and I have all kinds of prices about him in the Champion Ireland. So if either of those win, it'll be fantastic. But... Um, uh, I wouldn't be depending on them either I hope uh, Ryan Stone and in the Carl Cup if he runs and Sky Pirate in the Kimure would make for a great festival as well lovely I love that Paddy Aspel. Um I would I've mentioned it before I'd like the Mulrinehurst to win the Ballymore for Connections City Island uh, be obviously a great winner as well for a small yard in Martin Brazel um, I think they've done a great job in prepping his horse and getting him to where they've got him and for Cheltenham and um, I suppose the other one would be obviously the mayor I've, I've been chirping on about in, in Apple's Jade as she proved me right the fact that Connections have done the right thing and let her take her chance against the boys in the champion hurdle over two mile and uh, I think 
as all the Liverpool fans have been saying all year, I think this is her year. Um, I really do. So I'll have to hope they're improved right. <laughs> we know what happens to Liverpool fans who say that, though, unfortunately. Yeah, not true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, we we are set for some absolutely fascinating key key races at the Cheltenham Festival. If you've just been listening to us waffle on for a couple of hours there about the Cheltenham Festival, if Honeysuckle and Surin go in, Demi will be a happy boy on the Friday. If Album Photo wins the Gold Cup, Sky Pirate or Rhinestone do the business in the Kimyo or the Coral Cup, then Stephen Cass will be very happy. Don't forget Willie Boy at a thousand to one. City City Island winning uh, winning the Valley Mall. <laughs> <laughs> Willie boy, yeah, Willie boy. City Island uh, for Paddy Aspel would be uh, a very, well, enjoyable winner in the Ballymont. And Apples Jade, who's talked about way before she was even going for a champion hurdle, to win a champion hurdle would be a good result. So, so what are the um, naps, lads, if we're to do a lucky 15? Sky Pirate for me in the Kim Yor. I'm presuming Honeysuckle for Dermo. Yeah. And what about you, Paddy? Uh, I mean, nap-wise... I would Apples probably Jade go, or City Island? I'd probably go with the mayor, although she she is getting... I mean, they're joint favourites now, aren't they? Bo Horahan and Bouvedere. Uh, yeah, 94 each two. Uh, yeah, I'd probably be... That'd, that'd be that'd be my nap. I, I just think that this is the best, as I've said, the best Apples Jade we, we've seen. And I mean, some of the, some of the performances she, she's put up. Uh, I just think she deserves to put that defeated one to two last year just put that right and just maybe get the credit she deserves and Dean do we end up with Apples Jade Sky Pirate Honeysuckle yeah that's what we ended up with okay and yours Commander of Fleet I can't go against City Island though can I I can't it doesn't work Oh, uh, you can because it's a different race yeah oh no we're okay we're okay that's the one (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay. So lucky fifteen one nine eight eight to one on the fourfold. So let's yeah. So we'll do. I'll I'll do. I'll do your lucky fifteen there for us for charity. It's a great idea. So yeah, Commander Fleet, Apples Jade, Honeysuckle, and Sky Pirate. Okay, okay. If Angel's Breath doesn't win the first, I think it could be a downward spiral for me unless Thomas Darby does it. But you keep telling me he's going to win, Stephen. Nico has committed to riding him, hasn't he? I heard it was going to be Davy Russell. Nico, that's another five pounds off. The um, <laughs> it's okay. No one's listening now at this stage, lads. We're about two hours in. <laughs> Nico the Bible rides. Yeah, it's just been confirmed. And Barry Garrity's on Mr. Fisher. Okay, uh, because it, Nico and Nico's going to ride. He said he's not going to ride um, just in the champion hurdle. He's going to ride Brain Power up instead of Verdana Blue. Okay. Okay. Well, there's going to be loads more snippets like that come over out over the next couple of days. We're only a few days away. Uh, Stephen Caster, Nolan, Paddy Aspel, myself, Dean Ryan. You've been listening to The Race Hour, uh, brought to you with Gambler.com and Bet Hard. Thank you very much, boys. Have a great week.